in podcast game episode now let's go Imperial Scrolls of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Folan. And I'm Jay Baxter. And we are going to be bullshitting about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. We are more than meets the eye as we plow through Game Pro issue 15 in this episode. Link to the issue is in the show notes, as it always is. Please rate and review the podcast. If you post it, we'll read it here. Give us validation and self worth or ridicule us as long as it's funny. And what are we jamming on now? Jay, what are you jamming on now? Very little. You said that's. Pros and cons of that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sad day, sad days. Nah, just busyness with uh, with work and just kids being sick, you know, having to take care of them. But you know, fitting in a little age two here and there, always throwing in some skirmishes and trying out some different win uh, components like racing to wonders and things like that. So still, still loving that game. Um, and then a little bit of as usual, Halo Infinite. Which, funny enough, season three released they got some new maps some new weapons and i've been kicking ass lately man like i'm talking like 26 kill five death like 10 assist type matches i don't know if like there's less people playing or i'm just not good i'll take it but <laughs> i've been loving that um season three so that is that did, is that like an, a, a, a per year they do a season that's no no I, it's yeah it's, it's been less frequent than that because it has not been out that long so it's been like right. like a few months per per season i don't know what the cadence is but yeah this new one definitely has like some new maps even like new big team maps new weapons some new like mods you can use within the battles and that's been kind of fun so any any variability you know get my competitive juices flowing i'll take that uh, but that's pretty much it man what about you what have you been jamming on these days more vr i see uh, yeah, I got yeah the thing behind me. We'll definitely talk about here in a second. The most uh, pressing discussion topic, though, is no question the new walkabout Jamie Jam that came out on the ninth. Uh, well, my second to last day in Atlanta, so I was <laughs> yeah, <it's> so funny. <laughs> was, we, we 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 wrapped the night before. I told you this when we because we got a chance to to, to play earlier this week. Uh, this and missed uh, to catch, fully catch up on walkabout uh, course releases. But yeah, it dropped the day before I was leaving Atlanta and that meant the day after we wrapped so just it could not have been more perfect <laughs> you know like we we like wrapped on the 8th and then you know working from the B&B on the 9th and flew back on the 10th so yeah the first thing I'm doing is I'm waking up to see if the downloads there and getting it going so when I have the time to sit down and fire it up I'm not waiting for that update dance that you had to wait for Oh, man. Uh, and it's, it's, it's one of two, you know, I, it, perfectly logical that every time they add a course, the file gets bigger, you know, but it's up to like, you know, this game was originally like less than a gigabyte and now it's up to three and a quarter or something, you know, for every update because they're they're adding a new course and that's a whole new thing, you know, every time. So uh, it's, it's funny to watch that progression. Anyways, it's, yeah, it's hands down the most detailed and awesome 3D environment. Mighty Coconut has built for this game. 
it's NYC, you know, it's, it's, it's not NYC, <laughs> but it's, it's NY, it's it NYC. Yeah. The, like, even especially like you start that first hole you start in, in the subway, like, you know, I was pointing All those the things maps, out to you. man. Like you could see the yeah. lines, the red line, the blue line is very distinct, yeah. very New York. Subway. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the turnstiles are spot on MTA turnstiles. Mm-hmm. There's just uh, a lot of things in it. you know, I, I mean, in big city, big city, there's a certainly things that it could apply. I've actually heard, I already read something that the, the coffee shop is directly modeled after an Austin coffee shop. So it's not oh. supposed to be all NYC. Uh, at least if that's true, I suppose, I certainly don't know it to be actual fact, but uh, I'm pretty sure the let's talk Oculus guys mentioned that having read it somewhere or something when they were covering the course this week. But yeah. It's like, everything is kind of, you know, everything, as the name suggests, like upside down and like it's just like it takes the whole city and kind of like jams it together in like a really creative way. And there's just on top of just a, a cool overall design, like the actual granular detail, I think, is considerably higher than than any of the previous courses. There's just so much little shit and little really cool animations. There's a the rat pulling the pizza slice I showed you <laughs> in the one hole. You like, you know, you you see the rat and it like jerks the pizza into a into a, a, a mouse hole nearby. And there's a lot of, a lot of just cool shit like that. Animations, the pigeons are alive and stuff and like if the ball flies by, they'll you know fly away. Fly yeah. away. But they don't always fly away. Like if you don't have something catalyze them they'll just stay there and do pigeon shit you know so it's it's cool that it's not like it, it's cool that it's not like a you know a preset animation it's responding to the world you know uh, and that's really cool same with the rat the rat only the rat cues when you look at it you know you have to see it before its animation starts it's not just running in a loop over there or something you know which is cool so it's awesome yeah 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 very 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 cool and actually, yeah, the, the Let's Talk Oculus guys mentioned there's a turtle somewhere in the water, and I haven't even found that, you know. So there's just there's just a lot. There's a ton of shit to, to find in both the hard and easy courses that are, are just fun little Easter eggs. Is probably speaking too highly of them, but just fun little things that are, are there to, to add to the experience, and that's really fun. I will say the, to their design credit, I hate the fact that they have all those balls that you can go find because, like, afterwards, I was, I was, I was itching as, like, do I need to buy all these freaking courses? Because I want the balls now. Like I gotta collect yeah, all the know. little shiny. Give me all the little shiny yeah. babies. I need them all. <laughs> I I don't yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, I would definitely buy it uh, even for the one. Amy, same thing. She'll play it and she doesn't buy them all. She'll play on my guest pass and it's like there's no way I could buy. And she even like she she goes and finds them. She's still that's how that's that that is what? such a good testament actually. What to what to what Walkabout has created or what Money Coconut has created is she hunts for the ball in every hole. Even though she can't get it because you can't see it, you know, which is also very smart by them that it's not just gone and you can see it. You just can't pick it up, you know. So she does. She hunts for each one and talks shit if it's one that I haven't found, you know. So, yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah, they, they have invented a very cool mechanic there. And yeah, there's no way I would. I mean, and it, uh. that's a funny thing, too. Just talking about the cumulative growth of the game, you know. So the game was whatever I paid fourteen ninety nine or something when I first got it. And that was. I don't even know if there were any DLC courses yet. But, you know, I've been paying $2.99 a pop. They upped them to $3.99, I think, for this one. This is the first one that was $3.99 instead of $2.99. So, you know, like, you do the math, and this is getting to be like a, 
It seems like small little meaningless increments, Ooh. but like they've dropped so many DLC, and, and it, it's I'm not at all suggesting that it's the value isn't there, but it's just it's it's gotta be now. I mean, what is it? Would do they have ten? Because the most expensive game I bought is Resident Evil Four, and that was thirty nine ninety nine, and I got that with that coupon, the coupon that I I got from referring you, <laughs> but. Regardless of You're that, welcome. like the, yeah, the <laughs> you should get that game too. It's a great game. But this dude at poker I, last night was telling me about the game. He was pl- he was playing it like that. Legit Resident game. Evil Four. Yeah, he was saying um, how like on the Oculus. He was like, oh, I love yeah, it so much. Oh, like he was. So oh, it's so good, dude. The, I told you, man. The mechanics are it's so good with the yeah. gunplay and stuff. It's so fucking good. Uh, um, but yeah, anyways, they you know the 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 game has become. And I, again, I have to sit and do the math, but at least 30 bucks now. I've at least doubled the cost more than, yeah, yeah. there's more than five. So probably, if not the most expensive game on my Oculus, very close, you know. Although you that's not taking so a- much though, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, again, I'm not even at all undermining the value <laughs> or saying that I did not, it is not worth what I paid. I'm simply saying, you know, what started as a very small investment because of they've generated so much content or created so much content for it that, you know, it's become maybe the most expensive. Although that's not taken into account because I bought all the shit, the, the, the location drops for the fishing game are also, they're mo- way more expensive for sure. And I probably... I, that, I probably ended up. I think that was twenty to start. That's probably closer to fifty bucks too. So it's between those two for sure. But I've also played those two easily mm-hmm. most of of any of the games on there, just because they have so much shit to do in them. Yeah. But so that's fucking great. But I fucking hate the putt putt playing this course. It's oh, it's Teddy. I told you Teddy Station on steroids. If you play walkabout, you know what that means. It's like a bunch of dumb shit instead of just putt putt. You know, it's not based on putt putt skill. It's based on some other sort of like bullshit, either luck, which is really suck, or just much more high variance mechanics, you know, uh, having to, and Tethys, you're bouncing balls all over the place. And there's just, I don't give a shit how good you are at putt-putt. It's just, more, it's not, <laughs> it's not as skill-based. It's just not, yeah. you know, so I fucking hate that aspect about it. And yeah, I mean, if you, the labyrinth course, if you haven't played this one yet, it's like the labyrinth course, the one, the steps, you know, where you got to, it goes up onto the wall and then the you got to, you're, yeah, you're whacking at it, like not like a putt-putt stroke, you know, like I was saying, it'd be really cool. And it's funny too, the, the Let's Talk Oculus guys brought this up and uh, same exact idea. Like there should be a way, at least an option and I get that the physics, or who knows, or whatever, how difficult this is. I don't know shit. But the, you know, the ability at least to be able to play it where you are able to change your gravity with the ball. So next time, mm. once it move, once it moves to another plane, you, you also have some, yeah, some ability to still hit it like a fucking putt putt stroke, you know, or a putter stroke. So yeah, I, I hate that. Like the stuff on the ceiling and the walls. It's, it, I mean, you get better yeah. at it, and and. It's not the you know it's not as horrific as it feels at first, but at first it's like fuck off, <laughs> you know. Dude, that's why when you had me flying in trying to like figure out how to do that on the side after doing it once, I was like, that was far too much work for the for for this. I'm just right. gonna I'm just gonna. Well, also once you that's a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there, there's so much about all the courses. You know, it it is a de- you develop the skill. I mean, and like in the the calculable flying to get a better shot is also part of just 
getting good with the the UI and the fucking and the and the way the game works. Like you know, right. I can do that almost instantly now. It is still a little. It's not perfect because you are talking about just not glitching up onto the platform when you fly in like that. But yeah, it is. It is. You get used to that shit. But yeah, generally, I mean, it's just it's that shit every fucking hole for the most part, and it's it's not like you know I it's wildly inventive and creative, and I would never knock someone for trying to do some shit outside the box, especially with an IP like I said. That they, it's not like this is like their first course drop. And like they're you know it's fall fucked up you know right, a completely right. different experience like they've done a million of these and they were trying with this one to do something unique and different and like I feel that I support it but I probably won't play this one a ton especially on my own like this is one that's much more fun to play with oh they're all much more fun to play with someone else of course right, right. it's it's but this one in particular I think is built for multiplayer because that variance is more fun. In a multiplayer setting, that variance when you're playing by yourself, you don't want, you don't fucking want that. It's not fun. You're, when you're yeah. playing by yourself, you're <laughs> trying to competitively get the best fucking score humanly yeah. possible, and and that is, um, or even you know the quick match, same thing. Like if if you're playing, that's usually like a competitive minded idea. Whereas the two of us, both, like it doesn't fucking matter who wins. You know, we're just fucking yeah. around and hanging out in VR. So cool idea, but it, yeah, I, I I don't. I don't want the. I don't want a bunch of these. I want the next one to be back to putt putt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the other big thing is yes, this, I got this one. I did I get it before I left for Atlanta? I don't think so. I think I downloaded Atlanta, but Perspera VR. So this is. I guess this is on other platforms. So this is not a unique to Quest release. It was ported to this, but this is Civ on Mars in VR and Civilization. I mean. And, or it's Alpha Centauri, if you're Civ lineage savvy enough to know that futuristic strategy joint from, uh, would have been the early aughts, I think, uh, w- w- when that was released. But that's a really cool game. I actually downloaded that. I'm sure I've talked about it on here. I downloaded that on good old games or something and actually have that as well. But this is, of course, in VR, and it is fucking good. Holy shit, is it good. It's <laughs> like... The gameplay is great. The music, it's, 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 I can't believe, it's the, I think of any strategy game I've ever played, it is the one that the music is most, such a, such a big part of the experience. It's like the, like the one of the main gameplay tracks is they're all pretty upbeat, but it like I don't know hearing that or thinking that it wouldn't necessarily that wouldn't that isn't the most intuitive vibe for a sim strategy game in my expectation like this really upbeat like borderline techno type shit in a game where you're just building logistic nodes you know and that's the thing too it's not in that it's it's not it's different than Civ in that. You know, you're building. Civ is more of a Age of Empires too. Like you, right there, you can see the picture behind you. It's like yeah, yeah. you're building buildings. It's more of a a 3D model of an actual space. Where this, they're almost just icons. I mean, if you you can you can zoom down to like a a micro level 
and see a a relatively real time version of this, you know? That seems of, worse. Of what's the icons? It seems it, but once if you play the game, you have to play so much of it at a more pulled out level that what's happening down there doesn't matter. It's it's irrelevant because hmm. you're you are a much more macro perspective uh, entity. The controlling entity is 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 much more about making a bigger picture work than little tiny individual situations. Which honestly, that's the thing. I'm kind of off of it right now. This week, I had something come up that like I'll get to that, but like when I'm pulled into the micro on this, it's less good. Um, it's it's much better as a this bigger perspective thing. But anyways, the the, the yeah, that music is fucking perfect fucking motivation for like because it, it's like this constant like this really exotic like that's there like the thing i talked about that i hate about real because it is it's real time it's not turn-based yeah, so man. the thing i hate about those is this like ugh, like it's fucking exhausting i can't keep up with this or i don't want to keep up with it you know and this and I, they all have this i'm sure but variable speed settings and like this this the, the first speed setting is so slow that it's it's just not it's just not too much it's not you know where I'm I'm honestly clicking it up to four times most often and that's a cool thing too and I actually hadn't didn't write this down a, a great idea whenever anything happens in the game of note it's almost kind of annoying sometimes but it's probably smart that it's there it clicks it back down to first speed so whenever anything happens that maybe you got to deal with or could have changed something where maybe you need to take a fucking second and reassess a, a bigger picture, it clicks okay. it back down to one of one speed. So, you know, a whole bunch of shit doesn't fly by that you can't deal with or it's too late to deal with, you know. So I think that was probably a pretty smart design decision that I hadn't even thought of uh, up mm. to now. But it's so it, it's a it's a it's a campaign. It has a campaign mode to it that. I think is definitely the optimal way to play. It also has a sandbox thing where you can kind of just fuck around and build, I think. But the campaign mode is really, really fucking smart and well done in that you are assuming control of this new artificial consciousness that has been developed to spearhead the terraforming and colonization of Mars after countless attempts by humans, man-human missions to do so that have failed, right? So the yeah, the technology of this consciousness is so uh, cutting edge or new or whatever that a lot of the story in the campaign mode is the development of you as a sentient being. So you're finding meaning in these actions that you only started doing because they were directives. So you're becoming self-aware is is the thing. So you're working through this moral compass development of the things you're being directed to do. And like there's all this, you know, there's a bunch of shit happening back on Earth that complicates your directives and who they're coming from and 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 and, and the again the moral compass that comes along with someone else telling you to do something that you're not sure is the right thing you know and you working through that and 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 there's also you know once it starts to actually count once you actually start to colonize and a a a 
sizable population develops on Mars, you then have a whole new set of people that have different wants, needs, desires, and uh, priorities than those back on Earth that sent you here originally. So now you have these, you know. So it, it, it is a it is a really, I think, smart way to do what at its core is just this strategy building game. That also was that part of it is amazing too. There's so I can't. Even, I mean, they're trying to try to describe. Uh, you know, it's just. There's technology. All the things are there. The technology trees, the different types of buildings, the development of them, upgrading buildings. It's you know, it's all fucking there. And uh, but it's it has this shell that's fueling you that is I think I've never seen in a game like this. That makes it really really fucking interesting. And there is combat, and that's like that's the thing I said that you know pushed me into this real time thing that. Was is less fun, like trying to when you know it's all drone based shit, and like you're like trying to scramble your drones and like fucking the drone these things, you know. And it was it, that part of it I didn't, I don't enjoy as much. And I'm in a part now that's like a little overwhelming. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't who knows what the percentage is. It doesn't give you a percentage or anything, but who knows how far to this campaign mode I am? But I'm, I'm pretty far into it. No question, plenty of time logged, lots of time logged, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the you know this. That part of it, I'm, I'm not digging at all. But uh, I'm I zero doubt that I'll fucking work through it and get back into it at some point or another. So that's a big one. And then there's another one. The only other thing I got is the Watch Out for Fireballs guys podcast did. They covered this game called The Coin Game on Steam. Have you heard of this? The Coin Game. No. Yeah, it's only on Steam. It's not on any platforms or any consoles, rather. Was. Okay, so it... Sounds basic. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, it sounded so, uh, and like a Steam game, like I don't play games on Steam. I, you know, like I don't, and, and, and actually, this is a perfect example of how much I don't do this. Like, my first fiddling of, with the game went pretty poorly because of control shit, because I downloaded it and I was like, okay, I'm going to port this onto my TV uh, via HDMI cable and just sit back with an Xbox controller. Wi-Fi'd in to my laptop and play, and you can. You have to have a keyboard also to play this game. Like if you're, you know, the Xbox controller controls you, but it there's too much shit going on with it that you need a keyboard for mm. that it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, there's just too many inputs that you need to do to make this work. So yeah, so like I didn't even know how. My point being, I didn't even really know how to interface with it. That's how little I play fucking PC first person type things, and that's what it is. It's a first person open world game. Where you play as a kid in a small 80s town, like a rural 80s town, and you have to both, like your core objective is to play arcade games. You want to go to the arcades. There's multiple of them in the game, to my understanding. Of course. Right. (laughs) So that's your core objective. So to sustain that primary objective, you also need to keep yourself alive slash funded with money to be able to play the arcade games. So... And again, I only listened to like the spoiler half of the podcast, so I just kind of know like the nut, the broad nuts and bolts. And I, like I said, I didn't get very far when I tried it. But it's you have to like do chores and like keep your mom happy, be home by curfew, 
find snacks to eat so you don't die <laughs> and you have you know you you're, you're, you go to the arcade and like really play these arcade games like they're actually like games that'll be in arcades and, and a lot of them are like the the idea is you're trying to get you know like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese environment where you're trying to get the tickets to trade them in for shit that you want you know so a lot of them I think there's also kind of straightforward arcade games too like cabinet games but a lot of them are the you know, fucking whack the like all those type games where you get the tickets uh, from whack a mole, right? Right, those kind of things, right? Okay. Right. So, you know, it's just it's just a it, it's you know it takes that open world concept and just does a really fun application of it. And to boot, it is it's a single de- person developer that like the whole thing has been the whole development of the game has happened in beta and and out in the world and. You know, so it's it's just like a really there's just so much TLC in it. You can see all the quirky charm things that come yes. with a single developer that like he just does he doesn't have to answer to fucking anyone and he can do right. whatever the fuck he wants with it. And it you can see that it's so there's just so much of that there. Like just I mean one one like throw off example the you're at your house you have you have a fish tank too that are pets which is kind of straightforward but there's also he also has a goose that's just it's just wandering free in the house that like you know and the goose responds to you and shit you know it's like so it's just that's so random right you know and like you know one of the things i was able to do was sit down and watch the tv in the living room and there's like shit on the tv that you use the remote and click through commercials and stuff and some of it tells you about things in the game you know whatever things in town that you should go explore or whatever but Mm. no like the tonality of those commercials is of course hilarious so there's just a, yeah again there's just a lot of charm with it and, and i i hope i can get past the shitty controls uh, or my shitty experience of the controls enough to get into it because i think there's a really fun game here uh, or a really fun idea i don't know if the game's fun yet but, but yeah and you can get you can get like a paper route you can get you know like all the things that kids do for money but paper routes yeah. and I'm trying to think what some like of the other cut ones. Grass or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shit like that. Just do chores around town for people and stuff to get dough to go play the arcade games. And there's multiple arcades that you unlock or can get to eventually. And you know they of course have bigger, better games. And it's just give me to the mall, man. Right. Right. I, I'm I'm almost sure that that is one of the latter ones that you can get to. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's there's a lot there, but. I have yet to fully broach it, so we shall see. But it it sounds like a pretty cool thing, and certainly worth. I mean, I think it was, it was not. I mean, fifteen bucks. I think it was to to buy. So that's you know for a like a full game. If if there is a full game there, and it seems like there is, that's a pretty yeah. reasonable price. I think there's like he does like you know it's it's like I said it's, it's all happened out in the open. So there's like a you know it's like and you could tell that with the watch out for fireballs guys talking about it. Like they're like rooting for this game to work and be you know get out there and there's just so much the guy has put into it and he's been so transparent about the development process of it that people are like rooting for it so he has on top you can download the game but there's also this completely it's called like the supporter pack or something it's all like nothing you don't need it to play like nothing adds to the game in like a uh like a tangible way, right? It's all gameplay, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's all cosmetic shit that you can get, like some extra shit for you. You have a smart watch, and there's some oh, extra shit in that, and like just some like some shit in your room or something. You know, this is like so people can pay an extra five bucks to help uh, see. keep him fucking not dying himself. So, yeah, so he, so he <laughs> so he can keep working on the game if you want to support it at that level. So you know, that, I mean, it's just like 
I don't know. That's a testament. It's just a different kind of way to do it, you know, and you'd love to see that shit work if, if he can make it work. So love to see Pretty cool. indie, de- indie dev love. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about Game Pro. Title theme from Journey to Silius on the NES, bringing us into this scary issue of Game Pro. This, Maybe uh, not. Hollow, <laughs> Halloween spook, spooktacular we're diving into here. <laughs> so this is yeah, this is October 1990. It's a Halloween issue. 395 US dollars, 495 Canadian dollars, 250 UK pounds to pick this up off a newsstand at the time. And the cover is fittingly adorned with illustrations of all the usual Universal Monster movie stalwarts. Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, Wolfman, Hunchback, a witch, etc. So on and so forth, as well as two. Wolfman is probably my favorite of them, I think. I like I like his vibe. <laughs> yeah. I don't Igor know. I mean, Frank, Frankenstein's pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all fun. Good job. Good job, illustration. Or illustrator, I should say. Tales from the Crypt is the accompanying top headline. The initial season of the OG iteration of that show on HBO first popped off in June of 89 and was a fucking hit. So a little over yes. a year later, seeing this is a, I think, as a common pop culture reference, tracks very well, in my opinion. You know. Although, I will say, I looked at this and I'm like, where is that? Is there a game? Tales from the Crypt game. Like, I want to <laughs> well, see yeah. it. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Sell I me can't false believe, advertising yeah. here, Game Pro. <laughs> right, yeah, I can't believe there wasn't one. And they were actually, that was one of, you know, I posted this, uh, as all the covers I do, on, on our social shit. And that was, like, one of the people talking about the show and, like, how there wasn't a game or was there, there was some sort. Yeah, there wasn't a game, but there was something, something that fucking was enough, was, was close enough to that it was topical. I can't remember what the fuck mm. it was now. But, yeah, the fact that there wasn't a game is, is, is. At the know. time, that's, that's the first thing the I, I see. I, yeah. Yes, let's let's constrict it to the fact that there wasn't an NES game is crazy. <laughs> you know, yes, because uh, obviously NES was the biggest shit there is as far as games go, and that was just a huge IP. I mean, they so I, I take together it that, anything, and I would have right, <laughs> yeah, and it would have sold, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask: was, was this show a big thing for you as a kid? Absolutely, man. Like yeah. it was, it was terrifying. But it was great, you know, like it was yeah. it was a show that I absolutely was into. So like when I see this, when I looked at this issue immediately, I thought like, oh, shit, I thought of the, the show. And I'm like, is there a game? Because like that show was such such a big thing, like the slick, like the slick monster. Oh, my gosh. Like it just yeah. has another level of, of terror. Yeah, no, the yeah, the, yeah, the, ho- the hostess and oh. the Crypt Keeper, the host is incredible. Such an incredible character. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have cable. This covered this many times on the pod, let alone premium cable in HBO. So this fell in that realm of mysterious television wonders I Ooh. could only dream of of having regular access to. You know, like you, you can't do that on television. Double Dare, USA, Cartoon Express, oh. and the and the like. These things were were to me mythical creatures out in in a world I could not oh, be. I was not. Gosh. I was not part of. <laughs> we gotta oh, go. I'm we, aware. If we if we, if we in a time machine, we got to take you back and just like adjust some things, I'm, just so you can I'm experience. Aware. That's well. That's a, that's probably a great. That's probably a great idea outside of just the television. But 
Oh. The yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would have loved to have had access. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I know, like my uncle had a cheater box for cable, so I remember mm-hmm. going over there. And this is even kind of a little bit later. Not really, really. Certainly not when it was in its original. Well, that show was on for a while too, so it could have been in its original run just later of it. But the early stages of it, for sure. Like you know, I think I think. Yeah, you know, catch them over there, and I think he maybe recorded some of them. So there was like a VHS tape I could watch of some of them, you know. And yeah, they're just yeah. it was so good, you know. Like th- those, and then the creep shows too, which were you know very oh, very closely shows. parallel to this. Yeah. You know, like those are two of my favorite movies ever. The first one in particular is so incredible, you know. Um, and they're very much the same vibe. So yeah, those were they were just to me like. Uh, I don't know what do you call that, like the Mount Rushmore of things that I couldn't have as a kid that Dude. I wanted so badly, you know. Yeah, so good. It's funny because so, I think so about good. that now. Like we definitely, we do, we definitely don't let our kids watch that level, that same level of scary at that oh. age. I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking of all the terrifying things that I saw during that. Yeah, we definitely don't. Oh, <laughs> okay. Dude, I told you, I've told you, like the. Pet Cemetery. Oh. I to the, if I mean that I can't even get into that house anymore because, uh, fucking my pops died. But like, well into adulthood, there was a window in the bathroom that I saw the kid, the dude who got hit by the semi truck in Pet Cemetery, in one night in the figment of my imagination when I was like <laughs> I don't know fucking eight or something and. Well into adulthood, I could not stand in front of that window at night with the blinds open because it was that impactful of a psychological wow. experience, you know, <laughs> of just something that of just something that was a figment of my imagination from seeing it, you know, let alone the actual visceral things that are shown in movies like that, you know, and maybe whether or not debatable debatable whether a kid should be experiencing that, like, yeah, no, just yeah. It's crazy shit, and yeah, you know, I, I just started. I found this the that thing I posted about the the what is it, the video game something foundation that's doing the random magazine retro magazine yeah yeah uh, subscription. It's kind of crazy. Like I thought when I first found that, I was like, oh man, eighteen seventy five for a year of that fucking sign me up, you know. And like once I got into it on the website, I'm like, oh, that's per month. Like I'm not gonna pay twenty dollars a month for that. <laughs> that's yeah. us. Uh, I want it, but like, there's two things. I, I I still want it, and the money, whatever. Uh, that's not that much money, but for for what it, I think, I think it, I think it, I think the value is basically there. But like, what turned, what got me, what prevented me from doing it is I don't want to hoard old magazines, which is exactly what that becomes. You know, I'm just I'm not going to throw those away, especially if I'm paying twenty dollars a pop for them. You're keeping them. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so and not all of them are going to be worth keeping, and then I'm just going to have a big collection of shit I don't need, and I I do everything in my power to avoid uh, bringing that into my life and bring, attracting that, you know. But anyways, I started. They have a podcast, and I started listening to that, and they were talking about something on there about what the fuck was some some topic where they were talking about how kids, yeah, you know, you just you like you just 
kids would come home from school and just leave till dark. They just know who their parents don't know where they went. They don't have any guidance, any way to track them, keep keep a tab, nothing. The neighborhood. They're just yeah, just gone, man. Just gone doing whatever the fuck you wanted as like an eight year old. Like no guidance, which is so far from anything that would ever happen today, you know, at least in most households. I'm sure it still happens, but yeah. certainly not as prominently. And yeah, the way they worded it was just so funny. They were like, he's like, yeah, like, you know, oh, you know what? This is actually the Stuff You Should Know podcast. This was not the Video Game Foundation podcast, but that's a good podcast, too. Both are good podcasts. But they were talking about, they did a, the Stuff You Should Know podcast, did an arcade games um, episode that I highly recommend this this past week. But, yeah, they were talking about it. They were saying how they, you know, like, <laughs> like the way he worded it was, you know, like, Sure, some bad things would happen every now and again and would become a big thing, but it didn't change anything. Like, kids just kept going, and, like, there was no, you know, it was just a different time. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like every now and again, a kid got abducted or something, and then maybe that made a new PSA happen on fucking Saturday morning cartoons. But other than that, like, they just let it fucking fly. Let it ride. <laughs> some happened three towns over. Like, just make sure, like, you don't talk to strangers, right? Okay, good. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah, okay, bye. Okay, bye. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. Fucking wild, man. Just a wild, wild, different mentality <laughs> for the whole world. Justifiably so. The world's way more fucked up now. Below that, they point out a creature feature starring Castlevania Three, Frankenstein, Beetlejuice, Drax Night Out. And that last one sounds really fun. I think I... We, I think we saw a peep of that in the preview for the last episode, and I was like, ooh, that's a cool title I've never seen before, and Drax Night Out sounds fun as fuck. But Bury Yourself in the Coolest New Carts is next after that, and they, they highlight Mondu's Fight Palace, Wizardry, Ashido, Dragon's Curse, Mercenary Force, Dragon's Lair, DuckTales, and then Let's Rock is last, and they subtitle that with Turn Your Nintendo into One Mean Music Machine. They also pimp out their tips hotline, lastly here. Of course. Yeah, of course. Moving moving into the innards of the mag, they kick off almost as always with a Taito ad, and they are, this one is the full pager for Dungeon Magic and then Target Renegade. We've seen both of these already. Both are good, though, and fun. And EA has a new banger for their hotly anticipated Skate or Die sequel, Skate or Die 2, The Search for Double Trouble. And this is a pretty big deal ad, in, in my opinion. It's a... Live action photo of a hardcore skater den with a few bodacious dudes doing cool skater dude shit in their cool skater dude den. <laughs> and all around the periphery of the ad are various tubular sentences of the time and culture, some of which are alluding to things that can be done in the game and some not. We have the ones I noticed that I wanted to highlight were Learn Rad Tricks, Buzz Buff Beach Boys, Score Killer Decks, and Rock Out. <laughs> you know, so they just... <laughs> Any, any, some alliteration, some not, just any, anything they could do to, to, um, I don't know, just capture that fucking L.A. skater thing going on of the time. Another thing, too, that was like, again, we've talked about the skateboard shit before, but like, you know, that was, that was just so far from where I was geographically and culturally in rural Ohio that, you know, but, but it was appealing. <laughs> it was definitely, it was definitely like TV culture to me. Right. Like rescue the torrid babe, slam <laughs> homeboy punks. Like it was definitely like yeah. stuff that was California so, stuff, I guess. And right. Yeah. So that's <laughs> probably going to be an episode of 90210 that I'll watch. <laughs> Like one of these topics is definitely an episode of 90210. I just watched the dude. You got to, this is a random thing that just popped in my mind, but it, 
we use 90210. The there's this guy Mike Kamingalik, Mike, Mike Kamingalo or something like that. He's a, a Twitter, Instagram dude, and he does these breakdowns. These like he like takes a piece of video. He does a lot with movies. He also does a lot with sports. And he'll take a clip of I, I found him doing Josh Allen videos mostly, where like where a player just does some crazy ass shit, and he'll mm-hmm. commentate it, but from a very very outlandish funny perspective and he's very 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 good at it but he does what movies too movies and tv shows and he just did one of uh it's like uh it's like the opening scene of an episode of not of the original 90210 and it's brandon fucking jason Priestley. uh it's like he called it like the most egregious offensive pass interference ever they're playing backyard football and he has this like egregious pass interference where he like throws the guy down to streak open and like you know they have like the slow-mo of the dude throwing the ball <laughs> and they're all wearing hilarious like of the time athletic wear you know it's just it's just such 90s tv hardcore after school type shit that you would see <laughs> a save by the bell slash 90210 oh, type, yeah, type thing bell. you know like yeah this this exact thing could just so easily happen with zach and slater it's just it's just, <laughs> it's just so uh, archetype you know beautiful but he does you know he does a breakdown of it it's fucking hilarious uh nice. highly recommend looking at a michael yeah, i said mike Kamingley or some shit like that if you tell you it will not be hard to google i'm sure without the actual name being right but yeah highly recommend if you want some good shitter fodder or something to watch on your phone so this was released in september the skater die too i mean and i don't think i can recall firing it up yet so i did and the title screen tune immediately cemented i had not it was very memorable and good From there, you were shown a rather wild slide. Did you play this? I did. I just I can't get into it, man. Oh no, it's not. It's not good, Jay. It's it, and, it, and it, like that's like. Oh, I don't know. It's like the most. It's uh, it's a top ten all time. Like everybody knows that about NES yeah. video games that this that the sequel to Skate or Die was dog shit. But yeah, the, the, you, they show you this slideshow to set up the story, dude, and it is fucking bananas man <laughs> it's like there's there's it's a uh, equates to a skateboarder causing some old lady's dog to get hit by a car and they use the word splat to convey that happen, <laughs> happening off camera which is hardcore i think being a quite a, a, a rather ardent dog person uh it's a little insensitive i feel for the you know <laughs> but there that happening initiate or rather leads to her initiating skateboarding becoming declared a menace to society and banned in this small town that they're in and then oh. and then from there you meet a bunch of edgy skateboard dudes and dudettes you know in the slideshow sequence and then the game starts and it's this side scrolling action game that is nothing like the first installment of the game which is just a bunch of skate park mini games that are you know also varying degrees mostly to the lesser side of the spectrum of fun, you know, but it's a, it's at least more what skate a skateboarding game should is. Yeah, yeah, you know, which should be <laughs> and you know, other than maybe the dude on the skateboard. <laughs> I guess like that is present you are on a skateboard, but you have a fucking gun 
So you're like shooting shit is definitely a thing, and fuck the fuck off. It's a skateboarding game. Like that's terrible, you know. And yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I didn't get much further than a few seconds into it, and I was like, I think this sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, like there were there were a couple defenders of it when I was posting shit from it on the on the no. socials, man. So I don't know. It it you know again probably mostly because of that culture shit we just covered in depth like yeah. it probably hit some kids the right way and they stuck with it and got into it but generally speaking it's not a good game yeah. <laughs> I don't think. same i was like yeah i have a weapon i'm fighting what am i doing like yeah, yeah i was just uh, i had that same initial reaction like this yeah. is a no for me like yeah yeah i can't There's i nothing. wanted to like it because of the culture thing because right. it's so widely known because it's so popular it has all the rad phrases and colors. <laughs> you you want to like it. Like, I wanted to like it, but I did not like it. <laughs> yep. Unfortunate, but uh, so it goes in retro video games. Table of contents after that, still doing that ridiculous cropping shit for the featured titles. When will it end? The shitty cropping of the Mondu's Fight Palace artwork has me excited for their full take on an illustration of that batshit insane fighting game we talked extensively about for Sega Visions 2 last, you know, like the, I, I, I saw that and I was like, I can't wait to see what this whole piece of art looks like. <laughs> so that's why the first time I've done that, looking at those shitty croppings where I was like, Ooh, I want to see more, which is what a table of contents little tidbits should be. There should be like, Ooh, this is attracting me into that part of the magazine, you know? So I guess victory on that front, but whatever. I, I will say I did have the same kind of like, is this Mon- Mondu? Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I did kind of have, it caught my attention as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, that's such a good, that's such a good example of what we kind of just poured over when we found that game in, in that mag. Like, that, I, I just, again, I can't believe it missed, I can't believe it missed me. <laughs> I can't believe it's not a bigger part of these, you know, retro gaming zeitgeist. There's just so much about it that is memorable. I can't believe it's not a bigger thing, you know. At least, again, we could just be have missed it, and it did happen. Uh, but again, that shit. I guess I'm I'm speaking more from a modern perspective on that. Like the fact that it doesn't cycle through all the fucking that there aren't memes and there aren't fucking Reddit posts and there aren't shit posts of yeah. it constantly is kind of crazy to me. But from there, we get a full pager from Irem for their NES Puzzler Ode to Adventures of Lolo Kickle Cubicle, and then a couple pages of Vic Tokai propaganda bullshit. They're trying to disguise as editorial before we get a get <laughs> <laughs> two uh, a great two page spread from Acclaim for a dungeon crawler that dropped back in August called Swords and Serpents, and this is actually the what I have behind me right now. There's a lot to say about this, and we'll start with the ad. There's lots of pointing out. This is a four-score NES satellite-enabled four-player simultaneous jam, and you know, Gauntlet Two had that, and it's that this kind of story world. But Gauntlet Two is a completely different thing. You know, the idea that this is a RPG-styled thing where the four of you know you and three buddies can sit down on a Friday night and take control of four party members in a deep RPG setting—that had to just—I just you know, I like I can't believe. I, it, I I didn't have the four player thing, even though Ted did. That was later on. But like when this would when would have been really cool. I don't think I had three friends I could have gotten together to play it either. <laughs> you know, like that would have been into this kind of game. I mean, you know. So there uh, are many levels to why it did not happen for me. But the kids that were able to experience this in that way, it had just had to be so fucking cool. You know, a really really cool aspect. That they took the, the the development time and intent to make that a feature 
of a game like this was really, I think, forward thinking for the time, you know? Yeah, there's no chance I would have played this back in the day. Zero, yeah. Just the way <laughs> right. it looks. Like, the, the map is cool. Like, I freaking loved making, like, burning the edges of paper and making maps. Like, <laughs> really? Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, are you serious? The- How have you never mentioned this? And oh why? And, and Jay, why aren't you making... I've done that before, too. I did that with, like, I think for Dungeons & Dragons or something, I, I did that with things yeah just like and like how like i'm literally like in my bedroom over on carpet probably with a lighter yes. i stole from my parents burning fucking paper you know with no <laughs> at grass least i was safer I'm, I'm over the sink at least okay. like, yeah kind of, I, like, I, I probably i need to like quickly i was probably trying house. to do it incognito or something you know and fucking like yeah probably this is a miracle i didn't <laughs> set the house on fire but that's so fun so okay so yeah i'm asking here why then don't you make the maps and why aren't you posting maps with burned edges then give the people what they want jay give the people what they want seeing this in the mag though reminded me like oh that is so cool every time i see it i see this this is a fun thing that i that's uh, great that's great that's so good but yeah like like seeing this grabs my attention like and it looks cool oh yeah the ad yeah it's fantastic and the whole ad design is Oh man! Yeah, it's it's awesome, and, and I you know it's a claim. So they're marketing. That's what the, that's that they're all marketing. They rarely have an underlying piece of IP or a, a well developed game with which to be marketing <laughs> with such fucking great fe- fever fever. But they, you know they they. Uh, and they this had one, some bangers later. Acclaim did mean good. No, there's some later, some, you know? but not, not most times. No, I disagree. <laughs> most times not, but. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's a bunch of like uh, really cool story immersion copy written in stylized penmanship on unrolled parchment with yes, kind of burnt slash frayed, worn edges. If, if uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and then there's a ton of cool illustrations on it as well as screenshots, and then the there's some, the parchment itself was surrounded by a bunch of live action shit in the story world: candle keys, dagger, snake, axe, coins, jewels, etc. And to be honest, it kind of looks like they might have just used the same set. As that Taito Dungeon Magic ad we have been seeing for a while now, right? and was like, earlier in the issue, it? yeah, like it the looks snake, so... yeah, the snake is the exact same boa constrictor, <laughs> you know. I, which so that's probably the snake I, you use in all ads, I guess. But <laughs> but I, but I almost skipped past this ad. Like everything looks cool about it, but like I kind of saw the art and like at least kind of glanced past this page first thinking it was like a game we'd already seen the same thing because yeah. of that yeah, yeah. like i was like Very oh close. cool art style but then i was like wait that i've seen that game and kind of skipped over it until yeah. i kind of circled back like wait have i seen this before you know <laughs> uh yeah but very very like yeah awesome awesome fucking ad and they mention in the copy if you read it they mention something called zoom tubes in here i never heard of those so you know anything zoom medieval tubes. fantasy maybe i haven't heard before let's 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 tell me more i want to know more <laughs> <laughs> But the game box is in the pile of treasure there in the bottom right, and it shows off some amazing fucking key art of a huge serpent with the four heroes in battle stances and the agate mouth below the fangs. And poking around a little, this art was done by a cat named Boris Vallejo, who is a fantasy art and illustration legend, as mm. the, the quality of the work might suggest. But he has like just an endless list of... Famous art commissions in this story realm. Conan the Barbarian, Tarzan, etc., etc., etc. He also did a lot of movie posters, including those amazing National Lampoon's vacation and European vacation illustrations, you know, where, like, Chevy Chase is standing kind of like oh, Conan, yeah. Conan, you know? So he did those and a shit ton of others. So, yeah, this guy's body of work is un- 
The real. dude definitely looks very Conan. So yeah. that's yep. very, I get those vibes strong. For 100%. 100%. So he and his wife, who is also an artist, uh, she does more like animal stuff. A little bit in the fantasy realm too, I think, but a, a lot of animal um, themed uh, work. And they have a website that is full of dope shit. Like the two of them together have a joint website, which is so beautiful and, and cool, yes. you know, really cute. But it's borisjulie.com. It's in the show notes as well. If you, It's pretty straightforward. The, the names are spelled as you would, uh, anyone, most people would spell them. But yeah, it's, it's a great website. A lot of really cool stuff on there. And yeah, for, for the fantasy medieval stuff, or medieval fantasy stuff, Boris's catalog is next level. So, recommend that. But the game is very similar to Dungeon Magic, just as the ad is. And it has, so it has the panels, you know, the paneled UI, including one with a view of what the party sees in the top left quadrant, and then also a map in the top right. The bottom half of the screen is where all the storytelling and math copy goes for your player attributes and the battles playing out and stuff. And I think the difference in pixel art quality of what you see in the view window is immensely better than that of Taito's effort, the the Dungeon Magic game. And, yeah, I mean, being, despite being from perennial shit-eater acclaim, in my opinion, I guess we have differing views on that, but either way, the critical response to this game is widely considered to be very positive. So that was kind of surprising to me, because this is a game, and I think, because I think, I believe this is in, at least in a little bit, in that four-player Nintendo Power Strategy Guide that I think is the next one. I think it's, I think it comes either – it might be direct because we, we just passed, I think, the Final Fantasy strategy guide, and that was the third of, the, of their full strategy guides. And the fourth one was so uh, – fittingly so the four-player guide, and then that was the end of those. So I'm pretty sure that's the next one, and I, I think this is featured in there. But despite having that and seeing it, uh, for some reason, I did not – really try this or get into it at any point but yeah i mean everyone kind of fucking says it's a really good game and it was developed by so you know acclaims the publisher but they someone else developed it and this is why it's good it was developed by this this company interplay who was i mean they're legendary at this kind of thing they created the fallout universe in the late 90s with those rpgs they did the bard's tale before that they created the Baldur's gate games so i mean just one big dig thing yeah, after another. Uh, yeah, yeah, one big dig thing after another. So they're, uh, this is their wheelhouse and a half. So it's not surprising, but it is a little weird to me that, yeah, it, it didn't, I didn't, I, I just didn't at no point really tried it with any level of serious effort. I'm, I'm sure I it maybe rented it or something, but never stuck with it. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's way too much for a game app. <laughs> this is side quest material for sure. But and you know what? I need to add, I can't believe I, I sent you guys that list and created that list. I need to add this to that list or is it on the list already? But this should be on that list that of things we should constantly we'd have, to have. We'd have to have a reliable four player situation. Be a part that of would, something else. Like that would be, a, that is actually, I mean? that is an incredible idea. It would end That'd up be taking, the only way to do it. It would. Yeah. That's, there. it would be insane not to. You're right. And you know what we'd have to do? Cause we only, there's only three of us. We have to have a fourth. We could, oh, we, we, could we could, we could, well, I, I think you do actually have to have, I mean, you have to have a fourth character. I don't know, maybe two, mm. someone would control two of them. I don't know, but that would be insane to do. What we should do is, and this only makes it harder to coordinate, of course, but what we should do is we should bring one of the disciples in and, and have them man the fourth and do Ooh. that. Yeah. Do that. That would be an incredibly cool thing, I think, to do. And Under such scenario, I would play this game. Yeah. Like if, if you've seen, if you've seen the, 
the the art here. This is definitely not my type of game. The current generation. Would of, you still how say this that now? Evolved, I would totally play. Would you well, still no, say that now? Saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, as games have evolved, I absolutely play like the current version of this. You know, but like that's not what this... I'm asking, Jay. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm saying <laughs> is, have the side quests not changed that to some degree? I mean, I, I don't want to say to some degree because that couches it. Have the side quests not changed that? I understand Ultima can still happen, but generally speaking, the experience has been good. So how can you keep saying that this is not my kind of game if you have enjoyed three of the four immensely that you have played? Because this looks like the, it looks, despite everything, you know, great art-wise about it, like the typical made-for point-and-click computer we're porting this to NES. I agree spells nope to yeah. me like automatically even if like the story and everything but like if everything that's not it the though feedback so, did, is good around it then in the did you try no, did you did you fire it up and try it no because of this like because of oh that, dude it's said, it's not, not it's not yeah. there's nothing you zero point and click it's real time you the battles are real time hmm. it's crazy i know to think about but the battles are real time and this is yeah it's much more like which, again, I will keep talking about because it's fucking incredible and it's, it's not out yet, but we will side quest it. There's no, it's just, <laughs> there's no way Jab and I, even if for some dumb reason you were to not want to, like, it's going to happen. I don't care. You can quit that one if you want, but we're going to side quest uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Wars of the Eternal Sun on Genesis 1000%. And it's much more like that, where it, it's actually the exact same thing, where, yes, you are, you see this view. But when you are in the caves and stuff, because you play the game in an overworld map way, mm-hmm. which I guess is different than this. But when you go into the caves and catacombs and stuff, it goes into this exact kind of UI, and you battle real time, including the enemies attacking and stuff. So you got that's what I mean. It's like hmm. it's a smart way to do the four player thing because looking at it, you wouldn't guess that's the case. But when you get into that four player real time stuff in battles, like that is. You need that level of engagement for a four-player game. You know, where you're going to have four... You're, the only way you're going to get four humans paying attention at all times, if it was turn-based, motherfuckers would be dicking off. You know, you didn't have phones yeah. to play on yet, but they'd have been doing whatever the 89, 90 equivalent of dicking around your phone would be, you know. So the the idea that it's real-time keeps everyone engaged at all times, and that's a really smart joining of mechanics, I think. I mean, anytime you inter- introduce a multiplayer aspect of something, I'm going to be down, and I'm going to be interested. So, yeah. like, yeah. You talk about that, I'm fully down. Like we, we play it really, that way. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a really yeah, really really fun idea. That's have to have to bring that up once we conclude this Torland jam that we're on now. Uh, yeah. So uh, I yeah I did fire it up just to reacclimate myself, and it you know the the environments are kind of samey throughout at least the part that I played. As far as like you know, you're just it just kind of looks like, like I don't even think it was supposed stuff. to be a cave, but it felt like a cave, and they all all the walls look the same and shit. But the enemies look great. Like this, I posted a few of the pictures. The I fought a zombie and some bats, and they both look fantastic. You know, both in there, they have a little bit of an animation to them, not a lot, you know, but a little bit of animation to them, and the actual sprite work is fantastic. The zombie looks incredible. Like I I I borderline can't believe it was an NES game. To be honest with you, as far as how good that looked, it was much more 16-bit Genesis level sprite work, in my opinion. Uh, so that, yeah, really impressive. Um, 
So after that, we have our letter from the Game Pros titled To Rate or Not to Rate. And this is big, Lurk Disciples. They are introducing their rating system in this issue. And if you see this graphic, you will instantly recognize it. Even if you, I mean, I wasn't even a Game Pro reader. And I, this was, you know, the, that rating image of the, the five faces, five categories, graphic sound, <laughs> gameplay, fun factor, challenge. It's all pretty self-explanatory. And then the categories are graded on a five-point scale, one being a snooze fest and five being a geeked on sherm stick uh, <laughs> level of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they have uh, yeah, progressively more geeked little child faces doodles corresponding to each number uh, for, for the system. And yeah, that is immediately... I don't know, like, what's the term? Like, it immediately n- nostalgia generating, even though I'm, I was not a game pro reader, really. It, it had that level of permeation into mm. 1990 kid culture, you know? So, yeah, really, really, really big deal. And they mentioned that they had reluctant or had been reluctant to quantify art like a snooty cunt to date because any rating system is highly subjective. And. The Yeah, that is true. But the demand by simpletons to have art devalued in such a manner was just too great. And corporate (laughs) greed for monetary gain is unfortunately the undying core value of the company. So they they have instituted this. And they double down on the subjectivity of any rating system later in the letter as well. So they are like, on on more than one occasion here, couching the existence of this, but still doing it. (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty funny to me. Yeah, but yeah, as much as I loathe the principle it will make for great comparison infographics between issues of Nintendo Power and GamePro now. And I love infographics! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will not agree with many of their ratings. So I don't know. The, the one that's not... Yeah, well, you know, we're going to talk about each one uh, piecemeal, but some of them are not wrong. I, the one I'm thinking of right now that makes the graphic image here I'm looking at on my screen that I have yet to post because it'll be part of the show marketing here is the the, the one game that really stands out in the in the little uh, the topography of the, the the rating bars is very accurate in my opinion. So they're not all wrong, but it, it they're in there. You know, I took up having knowing knowing I would be doing that. I was very well. You know, we will. Again, piecemeal through each game. Talk about that, but the idea of being able to compare—it just—it gives it it quantifies, which I already just fucking said horrible things about. But it quantifies the viewpoints, however much objectivity you want to say they might have had. But it, it quantifies the, the viewpoints of the two magazines, and like I don't know, it's the first time in this whole timeline or this whole fucking. St- project we're doing here where there is a quantifiable metric to 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 talk about between like the whole point is to compare you know whatever the hell that fucking sentence i wrote about looking at the examining the console u.s console gaming through the prism of these magazines like it's the first time we can really do that with some measurable thing you know and that is really cool and uh, i'm looking forward to that now being possible uh, because it is kind of the whole point of what we're doing here. you know. And, and we haven't been able to do it to date because there's been no way to, it's all just subjectivity. So uh, that's interesting and fun. Uh, full pager from Parker Brothers for their NES snowboarding joint. Heavy Shredden follows that. And this is endorsed by esteemed periodical international snowboarding magazine. Hmm. It hit back in June. We tried it. Nope. 
a two-page Asmic spread has their cute pink dinosaur mascot pitching us top player tennis yet again and a bunch of Game Boy puzzlers also yet again. But also, also one that dropped in August called Conquest of the Crystal Palace for the NES. The description of it reads, If you're tired of fighting the same small enemies, then return to the throne at the Crystal Palace. There you will find the evil Zaras in control. Zaras is the toughest, meanest enemy you will face on NES. Zaras will prevail unless you, with the help of your dog Zap, master the ancient skills of Crystal Palace and discover the secrets in the epic action-adventure Conquest of the Crystal Palace. I like dogs. Fine. I'll fire it up. <laughs> Did you Do play? tell. Yeah. Do tell, yes. Tell yeah. us about yeah. your dog experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they give you a really fun cinematic off of a cool title screen when you're you're running with your dog on a mountaintop. It looks fucking great. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and then a game starts that at first glance I was very hesitant about. The color palette was a little samey. The sprite has a yours, I mean, has a wee bit of flicker to it, and the controls felt a tad floaty to me, I would say, like the jumping and shit. But dude You liked it. This might be a really, really good action platformer with RBG elements. <laughs> like I was I couldn't uh, yeah. It's one of those like holy no way is this good, you know? Like I go into it with this opinion or expectation where I'm just like, no chance. This is fun, but I have to do this because I say I'm a thorough podcaster. And I think it's good, man. I think it might be good. <laughs> I warmed up to the it's controls. Yeah. The enemies and mechanics started to feel pretty good. And the shopkeeper sequence I got into once I climbed all the way up the mountain in the opening area was wacky and fun as fuck. Like, it was one of the most interesting implementations of, like, shop shit that I've ever seen in a game, to be honest with you. Like, it prompted me, in the middle of buying shit, to watch a news report on something they called the Q&N network, you know? So, like, you're literally in the middle of going through the shop menus, and it's like, hey, watch some shit on the TV, you know, and you can, like, move over to the TV and see, like, a full-screen presentation of a news program, you know? It's like, I don't know, just batshit outside the box uh, relative to most games of the time, especially of this type, you know? So, yeah, man, I I just kind of blow it away. Like, I never got to even got to fuck with the dog before running out of lives because I didn't know what I was doing, but I bought a bunch of cool shit from the shop, and I could immediately tell in a measurable way that they had positive effects on controlling my dude. Like, like there's to, more going on there. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I'm By actually reading the the manual and, and those... Yeah, precisely. Things. Yeah, <laughs> knowing what the fuck is going on will improve your experience greatly. But, you know, and again, it's, 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 it's such a great tool to have the, the socials as we go through these because it's, I don't know, it's just so gratifying, maybe, that, like... You have this experience, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, is this good? Like, am I, st-? you know, because the thing is, we this is our 15th Game Pro, God knows, we've done so many magazines that, like, it's very easy to get into a rut and think every game sucks, or because we're not seeing enough new games, you're like, I already played that, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's very easy, it's very, I guess, very hard, I should say, to stick with it and do it the way we're supposed to be doing it with the same level of enthusiasm for each new title. You know, it's hard to do that. So it's easy to like, you know, it can just be mood based of how, whether or not you actually like a game or you don't really give enough of a, a chance, but like yeah. to have like the social uh, fucking social proof. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Social proof. That's the word that are our phrase where, yeah, just posted like you can just very quickly see 
the games that people revere like this and people revere this one were are like immediately like, oh my God, like that's, and they're telling you stories about it and shit, you know, like it's just, you can tell the games that have something there very quickly, you know, and, and, and to get the, yeah, the validation of like, oh, maybe, I, you know, that's fucking right is, is, is a really cool part about this. So the mail is next, and the first half of them are reinforcing the mag's decision to include a pro classics feature covering older games and various perspectives on reasoning for it. The last one is probably my favorite. It is a 13-year-old kid talking who calls himself a vidiot, and I, I dig that, that, that he used that terminology for himself, about how his whole family, 7-year-old sister, 33-year-old mom, 41-year-old dad, go dad, hitching his wagon to a woman 8 years younger, way to go dad, <laughs> And 72-year-old grandpappy. So a 72-year-old dude playing video games in 2023 is wild as fuck to me, dude. A 17-year-old dude playing in 1990 is fucking bananas, you know? Yeah, like, nice. yeah. It, it, and also very enviable. Like, I don't have anything bad to say about any of my grandparents, but they were not playing... Or rather, they weren't playing. I worded. They weren't playing none of those fucking video games in 1990. You know, like yeah, like it's just not. You Definitely know? were not. Right? Yeah. Like I, you know, I, it, it's I talked about it when it happened and posted like how fucking amazing I thought it was to get my Oculus on my grandma's head and like you know how incredible that was to watch and like the fact that she found enthusiasm in doing it was even more you know fucking cool. But you know, you, you just tell like. A whole lifetime of no, not no, no chance. Not bothering with it. I don't care. Fuck off. <laughs> you know it'll be different for us. Like we're in our oh, for sure. Like, but they'll have you know, they'll, they'll, they'll yeah, there'll be something. You know, there'll be something that's the same thing. It's we'll just, all be living in the Ready Player One metaverse right. together. Precisely. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll refuse to whatever fucking. I won't stick my hand in the thing that lets you feel exactly what is in the game on your hand, you know, or whatever it is. There'll be some dumbass thing. I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I'm not fucking downloading TikTok. Fuck off. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. I don't see why you like it. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, that will be there in one way or shape or another. That is, uh, is as sure as the sun rises. That's a great one. And then between them are a couple of letters crying about the absence of art contests since the Fantasy Star 2 one a while back. And GamePro assures they are not going anywhere and will absolutely have age categories moving forward, which I support. I've talked a lot of shit about that. <laughs> like, you know, fucking the 27-year-old dude is winning in this contest. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Like, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, he's got to get his art career going some way. He's got to get seen some kind of way. <laughs> I guess, man. I guess. Um... So that's it for me for letters. Did you have anything else? Only the first. I, I just found the first one funny. It was just like, damn, Lane is just gatekeeping and not trying to see these older games at all. Like, hey, there's a lot of games to be seen. If they want to, people, people want like tips for older games, let them give them a, a hotline, a tip, tip line that they can just call. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't want to see those older games in the magazines. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the that yeah, I'm surprised. I guess that they're offering. Opposing viewpoints, you know, that yeah. they're trying, that they're trying to make it like a credible public debate. <laughs> Immediately after that, it's like, yeah, I'm also in response to this. Uh, F that, like, uh, I need these. I got an Atari, like, right? <laughs> yeah, put, put me on. Don't leave some, me behind. Put in me the on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stop rubbing it in that my parents don't love me and buy me new games. I need to know about the shit that I actually have. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> California games on the Atari is still hard to beat. Okay, <laughs> yeah, tips. Right. Give me tips. Yep. 
Namco has a full pager next for some Genesis action, our last game up, Philios, and a Ooh. new one we haven't seen, Burning Force. This is not out till November, though, but it is a, it's another arcade port, and it appears to be well-regarded. Probably best we take some time off from Genesis ports from Namco anyhow, so I was fine with not having to fire that up quite yet. A whole lot of full pagers follow that, most of which we've seen and talked about. Data East has a Battle Chess one that, while we've seen the game and talked about it long ago, this ad is new, and I really like the ad. It's It's got a title up top that reads, Ye old game is not the same. And then they drop some superb implementation of the word circa for comedic effect. Two pictures are side-by-side side below that. One labeled circa 1989 up top and captioned Night Takes Rook down below. And the illustration depicts classic-looking chess pieces performing that action. And the next one, the next panel, is labeled circa 1990 and captioned Night Obliterates Rook with a sad, <laughs> with a, like a, or with a badass knight obliterating an anthropomorphized stone tower. So it is a really, really... I think, smart and engaging way to show the difference between playing chess and playing battle chess. <laughs> Can I tell you? I So, in preparation for this episode, I finally got the ROM for this. Finally. And I forgot how much I loved this game as yeah. a kid. Like, I played so much of this. Like, yeah? I love this game. Yeah, it okay. immediately came back. Immediate nostalgia feelings. Like, I, like I played chess growing up anyway, so I'm a nerd anyway. Do you, but like, do you like the version? You like the battle? The, the the battle is fun. I do like the battle. Yeah, yeah. like it. I, I like the the queen like zapping people with magical orbs and stuff. You know, like I like how it's different. It's oh yeah, no, I, yeah. The animation stuff is great. The actual the thing. Honestly, I think my problem with it is. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do. It's like it's not battle chess's fault at all, which is not fair, obviously. But to me, it's base wars. And how big of a letdown Base Wars is. The battle mechanic, it's like, it's the same idea. It takes this thing that I also enjoy, baseball games, I don't mind them, especially in the the NES era, and adds this thing that is like, oh my god, that's a brilliant, fun thing to add to this. But that thing sucks in application. (laughs) So like, like the actual battle mode and battle in Base Wars sucks. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks. And every time I get into a battle in Battle Chess... That's all I can think about. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, and that's not Battle Chess's fault. But I, I just think of it like a cutscene, like it's like a, a quick ten second like zap cutscene of like okay. whichever piece is. Getting Am I misremembering this? Taken. Do you not control the battles? No, you don't control the battles. It's oh. like cause think about it. Like, like it's chess. So like if I'm if I'm a queen and if I go land on your your right, right. space, like the animation of my queen, she's coming and like zapping an orb at the night. And he's oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, whatever. But yeah. I can't believe they. I thought it's it was. Different. I thought it was actually you. You did a little battle. No, no, this one's a little different. Wow, I'm way off there. Okay, well, because it's still chess, so it's you know what I mean. It's, yeah, it's no, not chess quite fine. like it's. It doesn't add the additional variable. Like, hey, you might. You thought you were landing on this space to take right. this, but you might lose. Like it's right. not quite that. Okay, that's got to that's got to exist. I know. As I'm talking about it, I'm like, that's got to exist, exist, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I thought that. Like, maybe I've never played Battle Chess my chess. whole life, and I, I, I have this like, a perfect example of just fucking your child mind forging memories that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Data East also has Caveman Games coming at us next, and we've been seeing ads about this for a while, but it finally dropped this month, so let's talk about this insanity. <laughs> what is there to talk about? It is uh, well, pure the game, wackness. Yeah, the game, that, and oh. that's that's what's to talk about, though, I think. So, <laughs> cross-trading caveman style is the headline in the ad, and I dig the pitch copy here, so I'm going to read it. Welcome to Sports Training, 2 million BC. Forget jogging and weightlifting, Caveman Games is a serious, or is yeah, is a is serious athletics. Six radical Neanderthals compete in hilarious and dangerous events. Winners join the caves of fame. Losers join the fossils. Struggling to survive has never been so fun. Get bashed, beaten, chased, and eaten in the greatest prehysterical challenge ever. It's cool cave action for one to six players. So that I mean that one right there, you can play six players. It's controller pass, but you can play six players at one time. So that makes this a party game. So it's a proto Mario party game. And it's also, much like Mario Party, is really just a button-mashing minigame collection. It's not, you're not, there's very little control of these events. That's how it felt, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that, you know. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's, So it it depends what you're trying to do. If, If you're trying to make it a party game, which, you know, Mario Party's the same way. It's just... It's newer and more polished, but it's the same thing. It's I'm like I've only played Mario Party a handful of times, but it's just fucking. It's not. It's only fun because of the competitive, because of what plays out on screen while you hit that button, which is smart, well done, and Nintendo-y and fun. And then it's competitive against people you're sitting in a room with, or I guess you probably play it online now too. But like you know, it's it's it, the competitive aspect of it is also the fun thing, you know. So those things are all here. All those things are here. You're if you played it with six oh. other people. And you were doing that button mashing shit. I think this would work. But if you're sitting alone at your computer playing this by yourself for a podcast, this game is dog shit. <laughs> it's wrapped. I could buy into that. I could, I could be convinced that that's the case. Yeah. But I, I definitely, all I know is the second part of that argument. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, and, and the reason, like this game, I, I, I remember running this game. Jab, I remember Jab and I running oh, this. Oh, really? Yes. So I, so I have like a, a, a rental memory of it. So, you know, we played it together. There's an age gap there. But I'm sure we probably had a little bit of fun in the the competitive aspect of it. But uh, that aside, like the game is wrapped in such a goofy and fun skinning that you can get tricked into not realize, realizing that, especially as a kid, which is why I think I remember it finally. Like I like I remember not being able to process it emotionally. That like I don't think I'm enjoying this, but it's so what on the screen is so fun and so different <laughs> and interesting that. You know, I, I I want. There's dinosaurs, man. Like I, I want, I want to like this. This is it's fun. like like this game, like right? This yeah, game. like right. But it's not fun. To <laughs> like this game. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. Just there, there, there's so many things about it that are good. It's like the antithesis of that thing I've quoted a million times from the Kitchen Boys. Like the you know the first thing you got to do is that repetitive game loop has got to work. Everything you build around that can be incredible. But if you're that first seed isn't there, all that shit doesn't it's not gonna matter. You it's know? just yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's exactly what we have here. Like everything else about it is brilliant and fun and creative and inventive, but it's not fun, I don't think. <laughs> right. 
playing the clubbing match with the computer, I'm just like, dude, awful, what am awful. I even doing? <laughs> awful, awful. Is, that was, that but, was the final straw. But if you put two off. kids on the floor and they have the fucking, their NES controllers on the floor and they're hitting, doing that thing where you're not even holding the controller, you're just hitting the button. You're just like tapping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like two kids next to each other looking at each other while they do it. That's a, that's, think, tell me you don't think that's fun. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I suppose. I suppose right. it could work in 1990. Yep. So as a party game, I think they might have succeeded, but we're not going to be able to. Just like with Swords and Serpents, unless we do it the right way, I don't. We gotta. We gotta at least couch a little bit how much shit we talk. There. Some Hudson full pagers for Meth titles Mendel Palace and Zezies come next. Whatever on these games, but we've seen these countless times now, and I clocked something in the Zezies ad. I had not previously noticed that it was kind of fun to me. The top right corner has a dog ear that reads, Free Puzzle. Just cut out and send in the Zezzy's logo from the front of the box while supplies last. And one, first time we've seen a free puzzle giveaway. That's cool. I like that. Yep. And I, you know, you know how I work. I immediately was like, oh, got to find that. <laughs> so like looking around the interwebs trying to find this puzzle. And I didn't, I could not come up with anything. So please God, disciples, if you have this or know of a place where I can see it, please do send it in and let us know. But well, the second... Th- what? I was going to say, maybe we'll find it, you know, as part of research when we do our next podcast episode. On oh! So maybe, maybe, maybe that's we'll true. That's there. true. I will look harder when we do that, so you're right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, two, they also have a, a pretty unorthodox ask here in asking people to cut out the title off the front of the box for something like this. Like, normally, like, yes, UPC symbols, send those in. But you never see cut up the box, you know, the title off the front of the box. I've never seen that before. And I it may, in like economics, I always want to take it there. I wonder if CIB copies of this game are even more rare and expensive because of this fucking puzzle giveaway. Oh. You know, yeah. Supply and demand, folks. Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, The Invisible Hand. Uh, you know, it's funny. I can easily find this out, come to think of it. I, I can look this up on my... Well, I don't even need to do that, but I have the I have my collecting app. Hmm. Eh. It's only got a four and a half out of twelve rarity rating, and the CIB copies of it. Well, it says fifty-seven, and the actual first eBay listing I'm seeing down below is at one hundred and twenty. So, prediction, price guide not matching up with actual marketplace here, but uh, also that hasn't been sold. So, you know, sometimes those prices on these fucking eBay listings are not actually representative of what people will really pay. (laughs) It'll just sit there unpurchased forever. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm... a little more research would turn up whether or not compared to, I guess, you'd have to... The problem is you to really gauge that, you have to be compared to a similar title of the time and see what the CIB difference is to really know whether that's elevated or not. 120 for a CIB or 60, whichever of those, both sound relatively reasonable to me for a 19, fuck, that's like an 88 game or something, you know? So uh, that's not, that seems pretty reasonable to be honest with you, but maybe no one, no one got the puzzle. That's why we can't find it. No one's sending for the puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) So next is a unique feature we haven't seen in a game pro before the game pros rate sports games. And this is this is great. I love this. They did a reader poll back in February issue uh, in the February issue, asking us to rate all of the video game sports titles that were available at the time. And this is across all 
systems. And I love that they say it took some time to tabulate the results from the thousands of surveys they had come in. And eight months is the some time they are talking. And yeah, that's quite a bit of some time. I agree. <laughs> but this, yeah, this is really cool. They have a chart of all those games. And it's a lot of them. Shit ton NES games. There are 10 SMS games, two Genesis, and three Turbo 16 titles. And all rated in a rating system almost identical to the rating system they're imposing in the Pro Views this month. And are on the Pro Views this month. And they combine graphics and sound into one category. And that's the, that's the difference. And add an overall category. They also crown the top 10 in a graphic chock full of Batman POW Starbursts. And it's almost all NES in this top 10, which... I admit is fair. There is, uh, or rather, SMS sports titles are pretty lacking in general, and neither Genesis or Turbo 16 had dropped in any, any real heat yet. So back in February, I mean. So you know, NES is dominating this. Makes a lot of sense to me. But the it's rundown. Interesting. It, it's interesting that the like Tecmo Bowl is number one in the ten all-time favorite sports well, you're, titles. You're, I was going to read them off. And you're, oh. you're, you're just, you just you just crash the one. You crash the one. So even though Jay ruined the number one, we'll go through all ten. Starts with RC Pro Am, then Baseball Stars, Pro Wrestling, Tommy Lasorda Baseball. That's the one outlier on Genesis, and then Bases Loaded, Double Dribble, Track and Field Two, Blades of Steel, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and then Tech Mobile. And yes, I would of course slot Punch Out first. But I'm not going to shank anybody with a shiv about Tech Mobile going first in this list, so I can live with that. Um, but what were you going to say about? I mean, uh, I, I would about not ruining the, the, the <laughs> suspense, the podcast presentation show that we're doing here, about not ruining that. What else were you going to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it, it's interesting to me, like when you look up top with the Game Pros rating the sports games, the only title with a nine in total, is Timeless Sword of Baseball. So they're basically saying that Timeless Sword of Baseball is the highest rated sports title that they have. Yet, the top 10 favorite, like, it is not. It's only... Well, there's... Seven. Okay. So, yeah. So, so it's that, interesting. interesting. You notice this as well. There. So, yes. I... Well, first, I want to say... I can see most everything else in the list being where it is. Out of the top 10, I mean. Being mm. where it is, too. Even if I don't totally agree, I obviously launch... Track and field two into the sun, but whatever. Some people care about Olympic <laughs> shit way more than I do, and I get that. But yes, omissions that I would bring up are super off road, ice yes, hockey. That's unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> totally unacceptable. And here's the really interesting thing about being unacceptable. It, well, also RBI and baseball stars are two others that I would put here. But uh, I know a lot of people really like baseball stars. So I'm also not going to die on that hill. But yeah, off road is really highly rated. In, in it's it's rating across the board it's is better than RC Pro Am and I don't know how the fuck this top ten was calculated as a result. So we have a seven six yeah, seven seven RC seven. Pro Am is terrible. Well it's not terrible. Well, no, no, terrible. No. Yeah, that's well, a like, great that's a when great you're game. Sevens too. and sixes versus eights and nines. Right, exactly. It's just like what the fuck what is how are you doing this? What you know, what's the what, what, show me your math, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did you get this favorite from? Right, right. Like, yeah, it's like it's just like Nintendo Power. Well, we eventually figured it out, but Nintendo Power with the, the three lists on the back of the top 30 and then the top 30. Like, how the fuck is this being computed, man? <laughs> like, I, uh, you're, you're, show me your numbers. But yeah, yeah, I love RC Pro. I'm a ton, man, but Off-Road is better both in my view and then clearly in the polls view. So it should be on the list, you know. So I, I don't know. I don't get it. This is cool, though. I would like more of these Game Pro. Please comply. 
Hot B's Shingen the Ruler bullshit gets us to a two-banger spread for Devil's Crush on the Turbo Graphics, and this ad is incredible. I just want to stare at it. <laughs> the top third across both pages is two huge evil-feeling eyes that have a reflection of the game title hovering in front of the flame in front of the flames. And then there's large copy on the left that reads, Remember when mommy told you not to play with fire? Maybe you should have listened. She'll say, if you play Devil's Crush video pinball in the underworld, you'll get horribly burned. And you will. You'll probably get fried many times while locked in a mortal battle with the Devil's elite guards. The dragons will roast you. The skeletons will toast you. The sorcerers will plan a barbecue around you. But you'll have to flip your way past all of them to fight the ultimate Armageddon with the Devil himself. The big kahuna awaits. And that is an elite ad for an elite pinball joint. And might have been the first time that... That might have been, rather, the game that got me to first download the Turbo 16, Turbo Graphics 16 emulator way back when because of all the chatter on the Facebook page when I posted something about this game. So Dude. I think I have this game to thank for my willingness to do side tangents on Turbo Graphics games, which is, has, has been a uh, bountiful, uh, a rewarding experience because there have been a lot of cool games I've found. Yeah, this this ad definitely had me thinking about doing that as well. Yeah. I looked at the controller. I was like, "Well, it looks like an NES controller." <laughs> like this ad is that good? I, I definitely considered downloading this game for that reason. But I was like, "It's still pinball at the end." Of oh, the dude, you whatever. should. It's so, it's it's a yeah. really good. Even I mean, yes, I like pinball I games. It, it's a yeah, it's a really good pinball game, and it's it's one of those multiple screen ones. It's just it's really well done, dude. Yeah. It's really 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 good. The animation is fantastic. The ball physics are great. Like it's it's really really good, and the music is absolute fire. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah it's, it, I tell you, like you know, but since I made my retro arc switch, it's so easy, dude. It's so easy to do on there. So it's not at all um, some uphill battle to make happen for you. The cutting edge this month is on the Miracle Piano teaching system, and we have seen this before and marveled at how wild an idea it is to release this on the NES, where I just don't see how you could. Like really have expected enough of an audience to bite on the two ninety nine ninety five MSRP they are quoting here, but it is cool, and I don't like I don't uh, playing the piano or have any music creation inclination whatsoever. But the functionality list they rattle off in this article seems incredibly all encompassing for what you could ask yeah. from both a teaching and a playing perspective. Like it sounds like it's fucking great, <laughs> you know, for Dude. for for accomplishing this. But. As someone who has played the saxophone all their life and like composed stuff when I was a kid and like watching my daughter do the same, like this would have been awesome. Like I would be lobbying hard. Like if my parents were the type who are like, make sure you're practicing all the time, that, that, that type, I'd be like, this will help Jay, me. Like Jay, you have Jay, no idea. Jay, let's let, let like a, uh, like a corporate role playing, uh, oh fucking exercise. Let's role play you petitioning your parents to drop a 300 burger uh, <laughs> oh, there's absolutely zero chance zero uh, chance that i'd be getting that for 300 like the nes was 99 <laughs> to get that right like three right, x right. to price that's what i'm saying like you would have to be very wealthy like there's absolutely no world in which i would have gotten this it's yep. just it sounds awesome though good good yep. job for innovation but yep. no man that's nuts which you know it's funny and this is just, I have, I have no data to back this up. But in my mind, 
Because pianos are expensive, you know. So the kids who were, whether pipe, whether pushed into it by their parents themselves or somehow took it up uh, on their own inclination, in either case, to have access to a piano, unless you were, I don't know, I don't know how you do that for free and luck into it. You know, you have a family friend has one and will let you come over all the time and make a bunch of noise. I don't know. But right. generally speaking... You have to be rich to be able to be a piano player as a kid. So it from that perspective, if that's true, and I'm not just being, uh, you know, totally full of conjecture in this, it's not the worst business decision. You know, of all the oh, instruments, absolutely. of all the instruments you could pick, it's probably the right one to do oh, this for with. Sure. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I wonder how many kids every year are forced into learning the piano. By their by, parents. Like, by especially, their, well, well, like, here's the point. Rich parents. If, that's, that's exactly. Thing exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, where, I live, where I live, not a joke. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And, and you're you're probably going to have Nintendo already. So right. it's going to be like, mom, like you want yeah. me to, like, this will get me to be the next level. Do you want me, me to yeah. learn? You want me yeah. to learn, mom? Or do you want me to compose and be the greatest composer of all time? No, of yeah. course. Of course. This, you this know? push me over the edge. And this, you know, it's, it's too, it... it, it <laughs> I, maybe we talked about it when we first saw it, but you know, it works as a standalone deal. Like you don't even need to have a, the NES component of it is just a teaching tool. It works and can be plugged into speakers even, and you know, function as a standalone keyboard. So I guess that adds the layer of argument that if you are not a rich enough kid to have a piano, this is actually a cheaper way to bring it into the, your, your life. And you know, I don't know how much, a Yamaha keyboard was at the time, but right. I bet it was about the same, if not more, you know, probably more. So we might have, there's not some crazy different in sound quality. I mean, what, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's mid eye and it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, and the, it's the nostalgia guys just did their last episode was on this last Friday. So they were talking about it and saying that, I mean, it's pretty, like all the shit was, you know, it was all this. It all, it all worked really well. And the one guy actually got one, to actually or bought it off offline to. Oh really? Do, yeah, and he was like, he's like, I don't know really shit about music. He's like, but I was kind of learning how to play music, you know, the song that they wanted you to play, you know. Gotcha. Like he's like, I don't know, I can't like take this knowledge and then go play another song. He's like, but I, you know, and the, they were they were using they were comparing it to Duolingo or something like that, like how you know they like, teach you like how to say fucking glass of water or something and like you know you don't really know what you're saying but you know that that means glass of water <laughs> you don't know you don't know the phonetics of what you're doing you don't know you don't know the you don't know the building blocks of of what you yeah. know but you know the the thing so uh yeah they said they said pretty good things about it but yeah there's there's a CIB of one of these on eBay right now for 349.99 plus 102.27 shipping and you can cop a Lucy of just the NES cart that came with it for 20 bucks. So if you want to do some mini economic analysis, Loric Disciples, an appreciation of $50.04 over the last 33 years is not a good investment. Cuban inflation <laughs> over that span is 128.9%. So anything less than 686.58 in return is losing dough on your fiscal endeavor here. So... These have not appreciated maybe quite as much as one would hope if they had bought one at the time. The Quick Shot Python joystick ad and a couple of Electro Brain ads are next. Fist of the North Star for the Game Boy has an awesome illustration for an IP that Toei Animation has but I know nothing about. Then Puss in Boots on the NES. Drop back in June. Play ball. 
absolutely horrendous side-scrolling shooter platformer. Just no, no slash no. Did you? But but Josh, that that, that makes me so sad. Yeah, you didn't enjoy this. You enjoyed not. this? It, I think it actually played really well. Like uh, this, you like this, those fucking I, you like those fucking Disney games too, man. Those fucking the the bad ones, not the good ones. The, dude, the Mickey Mouse is, ones. <laughs> Mickey Mickey, hey. Well, the new the, one, Mickey, the, the new one on the Genesis. The new one on the Genesis looks good. Castle of Illusion looks good. Yeah, but I'm those like, NES Mickey dare. games, those NES Mickey games are dog shit. <laughs> There's one that's great. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, honestly, this IP didn't mean anything to me as a kid. Like even now, I really only associate it with like the version from the Shrek movies. Like that's yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know? even know that. Puss in Boots is literally nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I know there's a movie out like now, and I'm just kind of like, whatever. Still, IP, I didn't even know whatever. that. But this game, you know, it's still it's still early. It's still a very basic early platforming type of game. But it played better than I thought. Like once I I first looked at it, and I was like, this is really terrible. But, <laughs> and I just I don't know why it's a platformer. And I was just in the mood that day, so I just played it a little more. Kind of got used to it. Kind of got used to the jumping and kind of everything with it. It's not a bad game. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying I I want to do an outside app on it. But it's, it's tolerable. Bad. Tolerable if mom brought it home. Absolutely. Yeah. Mom rented it. Like we're I'm gonna make this work, and it's gonna be fine. Word, word. That's like you get. I'm gonna for Christmas. I'm gonna get you a rubber stamp that <laughs> says that. <laughs> Tolerable if mom brought it home. <laughs> Pro Classics is taking us way, way back to '86, and our very first game up alum with the next two pages on Capcom's Ghosts and Goblins. There's a couple of pro tips with cheese cheeses for the Red Devils in here, and those would have been very helpful for that play. They also dropped the very first appearance of their rating system here and uh, did not expect the Pro Classics to have them, only the Pro Views. So we're getting so much more bang for our buck than expected here, Jay. No numbers are included with the little icons, and that was kind of surprising to me. So I guess you're supposed to memorize the one to five values of the, the icons, which you will, of course, eventually. But when I first was seeing these, I was having to flip back to the letter from the editor every time to quantify them and put them into my fucking charts so yeah. I could do the thing. <laughs> I'm like, I know the purple was like the worst. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And there's also not like the whacked out dude. There's no there's no best either. Right, you know? but so yeah, I like, kind of yeah. figure out the rest. Yeah, two, three, and four, though, are a little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they give us graphics are three, sound two, gameplay three, fun factor four, challenge four, which computes to a 64% overall, and they are being generous, I think. The gameplay should be a two. (laughs) Fun factor should be a two. Challenge a five, which would be a 56%, and that sounds about right to me, thinking back to the trauma I experienced while playing this game. (laughs) So our first time where we have uh, a point of contention with the game pros and their uh, rating system. Ads for that spot in ES Jam and Game Pro's 900 number get us to another banger from NEC, a two-page spread for Splatterhouse. And this is the same idea as that all-white one with the title in blood, but on a black background this time. And the white one was more attention-grabbing for sure, but this is still a fire ad. So, yeah, NES, yeah, NEC, again, I, I said it when we saw that Splatterhouse ad, Splatterhouse ad last time. And just, the ads are so good it's because I didn't have Game Pro. That's what it is. I just didn't have these were I, like that's why it, I didn't even know about it. Or it didn't. It, it had, I have no memory of even it existing yeah. for the most part. You're not exposed to the goodness, right? That yeah, because the, these ad, yeah happening. these ads are incredible. They're all incredible. You know, all their ads are great, man. So uh, there's just no way as a kid I wouldn't have at least been like 
trying to find a way to get to a system to at least try it or something, you know? I'm not saying I'd have been fucking looking to replace my NES or anything, but yeah. I'd, I'd at least put a little more effort into finding one, I think, than I, I ever did. Hot at the Arcades brings two Halloween-themed coin-ops to our attention, Sega's Moonwalker and SNK's Beast Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Moonwalker has three-player simultaneous play, it says, and I tried to score this for MAME, but it was one of the failed projects. It didn't work with any of my 72 MAME cores, so I couldn't uh, compare it to our Genesis game app experience. But Beast Buster is a zombie shooter with an Uzi gun with one of those grenade launcher buttons on it, a la Operation Wolf's arcade cabinet. Those are fucking great. Never seen played it, but I can viscerally envision playing it (laughs) because I've played enough games just like that. Terminator 2, also like that. So many of them. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Al, he's my uh, Al from Catch-22. He bought a house in Vegas, and he's kind of man-caved some aspects of it out, and he's bought a bunch of arcade cabinets for it. He keeps trying to get me to come out and visit I have not done so yet, nice. but I know I know one of the cat. He was like he like texted me the one day. He's like try, trying to uh, prod me for arcade cabinet recommendations, and I know that he got Operation Wolf as one of them. So he has a full original OG Operation Wolf cabinet out at his house in Vegas right now, which is enough of a reason alone to go go up <laughs> to Vegas if there aren't any others. Natsumi is coming out. Uh, are coming at us next with a full pager for One Shadow of the Ninja on the NES. And the Emperor's Problems have just doubled is the copy up top, and it shows both a male and a female with katanas drawn in front of a space-age alien ship hovering over a modern city on one side of them and an ancient, or I don't know if it's ancient, I guess, but an alien structure on the right of them. And two ninjas, two players, too much is their last pitch copy line. I like that a lot. More ninjas is always better. You can't ever have too many ninja options. So that's, that's good marketing. I've never seen it. I've never heard of this. Uh, I fucking love Ninja Options, as I just mentioned. It dropped August 10th, so let's do this. And, dude. Dude. <laughs> this game is fucking fire. This How have I never heard of this? This is fucking incredible. This is an incredible video game. The, like the, the opening cinematic, straight fire, like rain animation in the first very first stage. Like, that's fire. Controls, fire. Weapon upgrades in just the first very first stage that I played fucking fire and fire boss battle fire 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 the game is absolute (laughs) fucking fire like in in podcast game episode now let's go this is fucking incredible game and i yeah there's just how did you had you heard of it before so i'm not sure if i had heard of it before like the box art there's ninjas too many ninjas too many ninjas there's too many many ninjas i love too many ninjas (laughs) Too many ninjas. 1990, there's just too many ninjas. I can't track all the fucking ninjas. I can't keep track of all your ninjas, man. I love platformers and I love ninjas. Like, this is definitely a game that mom would have rented and me and Jess would have played it and we would have just been all about it, you know? So, I'm in. So, have I heard of it before? I'm not sure, but it it was cool. It's definitely cool to play. Really fucking good. Yeah, no, it is all the things there to make it. Give me three days, I'm beating this game. If I'm yeah. not, especially if I don't have school. Like, if I have school those days, yeah, maybe not. But <laughs> I think I I was able to beat the first boss. Yeah, no, it was just, it was so enjoyable. Everything about it was so enjoyable. The, the mechanics, your controls, like the, the uh, it's kind of like, reminded, also, we'll talk about later, but Street Fighter 2010, like, same thing, the controls and that. Like, fucking, that's Capcom, so you'd expect, but like, just really, 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 really fucking good. Um, Natsumi, less credible than Capcom, so a little more surprising. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, two-pager spread for the links winds us down on the first act of this issue. And how about those teeth? Those were a real thing in the eighties, were they not? Like this is this is like I saw this and I was like, why though? Oh uh, uh, yeah, why? Yeah, well, I did some research uh, as I am wont to do, and they had been a thing since nineteen forty nine when one Eddie Goldfarb invented them, and they were first released under the moniker Yakety Yak Talking Teeth by a company called H Fishlove and Company, and that company is now a division of Fun Incorporated. That's a real company. Fun Incorporated is a company. And still produces these things to Goldfarb specifications. So get yourself a, a pair of Yakety Yak talking teeth if you want them. They're available. That is the Super Glove Ball on the NES Stage 2 theme. And Adventures of Game Pro revs its engines up next for us. And Todd is hanging out with Psycho Fox again, same as last issue, as the Stalker bears down on him. And they take down Mad Fox and the plot thickens. Next issue is Rad Gravity, and I have no idea what the fuck that is. So I look forward to experiencing that. The or rather spread over the three pages of the comic is a three-page ad from Mattel for their Schmauer Dove Ruse Cart Super Glove Ball, which is the, the crank we just are, are listening to now, I'm sure, still, actually, knowing how I edit these podcasts. And it says in the ad, you don't need the Schmauer Dove, that you can play with your favorite controller, in quotation marks, which definitely isn't a fucking Schmauer Dove for just about anyone. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, definitely not. Yeah, so dropped in October. So let's see how it plays with not a Schmauer Dove. <laughs> and Jesus Christ, how nauseating is the prominence of that Mattel logo on the title screen <laughs> of, of this game. Like, there's just... I, I posted in the socials and like, can anyone... Does anyone have any idea... Who published this game? <laughs> like just like hey, Mattel it. lets you know they they mean toys. There, yeah. You better know. You better ask somebody. Uh, oh, that makes sense because this fucking game's not good. Uh, but it, uh, the title crack is a real banger. All the music in the game is lit, really, which is why we used another one of the tracks coming into this segment. The channel's a lot of Marble Madness vibes because, duh, yeah, Rare Rare made this. So that's worth mentioning and talking about that Mattel hired a good company to do the development on this. But, yeah, I couldn't get this game to start. I don't know if the ROM core on my handheld automatically maps it to a power glove or what, but the buttons... Did know anything <laughs> for, for me? Could you get it to work? Did you get it to work? Uh, no, ROM, no worky for me. Like okay. I, it was the same thing. I, it just wouldn't work at all. I, I don't know what. Right. what it was. Yeah, my yeah. my yeah. My best guess is it automatically maps in some way to a. I don't. But that I don't know, that doesn't really make any sense because even a power glove has a normal control pad. Yeah, I, don't know I thought about I'm that not... too, and then I switched to another game, and I was like, the other games work. Like I don't understand. Yeah. So, no explanation for that. Uh, I am rather confident I'm not missing a hidden gem or anything, though. So, I'm not upset about it, but I am curious how this this went. 
particularly with a power glove, because it's obviously so seemingly designed for a power glove. But Mike Tyson's punch out is seemingly designed for a power glove too, and it is and a it's horrible, still not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a horrible <laughs> experience. So you're not doing the Wii level activity like you thought you were, where you're actually actively right. Yeah, we'll we'll never know. We're living we're living uh we're living fucking in the dark on this, just like with the piano thing. A handful of ads we've seen try to scare us off our path of destiny to the start of Pro Views and the cover feature, Carts That Go Bump in the Night. The first featured is Konami Banger Castlevania 3 on the NES. It hit in September, so we could play this game. It would only happen next over my dead body, because Shadows of the Ninja, but we could. <laughs> we could play this next. The only thing in the article of note, from my view... Other than the ridiculously glowing praise and 96% power meter rating, sound got a four, all fives otherwise, is this password blockade blurb here. So the game has a password feature, but also a lithium battery, which, and this part is in quotations, direct quote, which customizes the passwords for each specific game player in each specific cartridge. And I struggle to make heads or tails of that sentence does that just mean that players can't trade passwords? That's, that all that I'm means? like, to me, that's exactly what that means. Like, you right. can't give your password to your friend to skip a level. It's not going to work. Sorry. Because it won't go in there. Unless they have your cart. Unless you give them your, your cart also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. What's the... I... That's a, that's, a, that's the next level of, like, hey, you're going to beat this yourself. Like, if you beat yeah. our game, like, you have to do it with less cheats, bro. Right, yeah, and there's you know there's there's all this journalistic speculation of this game era, how Nintendo and it's they're not subsidiaries, but they might as well be a company like Konami. Their licensees are constantly trying to thwart the rental game market by creating, doing things that make it harder to beat and prolong the gameplay, so a mm. rental doesn't do it enough doesn't give you enough time to beat it and you still have to purchase the damn thing. So, you know, that is my thinking for why one might do it, but it's still it's a, just weird. It's a definitely a weird choice and I don't know of another place where I see that exact tactic if that is a tactic for that purpose. 4995 is the MSRP. They quote, I fired it up thinking I want to just get a little taste, a little little taste, but you you know this has game app, app tattooed on it head to toe one day or another. So, you know, it's, it almost probably didn't need to do that. That opening cinematic, Jay. Yeah. Chef's, chef's kiss on that opening yeah. cinematic. The, <laughs> the film edges they put on it to give it that old movie feel. So, so good. And when the opening screen of the actual game appeared on screen, I thought to myself, I've never seen this before. So I don't think I've ever played what? this game at all, man. Yeah. Really? And that to me, yeah, it's crazy. It's, you know, it's oh. not, it's even crazier than having been basically true for the first game for me, I think, because this is immediately discernible as an immense quality of life improvement over both the first two games. You know, the oh, gameplay sure. controls, everything, anime, all, all way, way better. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's even weirder to me that this is a game that, and, and I've said before, all this whole IP, you know, one, Simon's Quest, I did play a shit ton. And I loved it, even though it's not a good game. <laughs> and all the more weird that, like, you know, it was what other no other game on the NES 
has gotten this is the yeah that I didn't even write that down. That is a very important thing to note. This is the first franchise to hit a third installment on the NES. Mm. No other game. Mario, Zelda. That's true. I, I, had, I actually had to do a double take at first. Like, is this a Super Nintendo game? Like, are we sure this is still? Like, because it's three, you know. Yeah. But I've played this game so much as a kid. I have so much fond and not fond memories of this game. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the, the vibe on, on the fascia page was definitely that it's difficult. So that's not surprising to hear you say that. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I only climbed climbed some of the stained glass window tower, but all the while while doing so, it felt so good playing it. The music, the controls, it's just peak NES gaming, must game ep, obviously, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not, it, it being hard is not surprising to hear you say that. Yeah, it's, I just roll my eyes when we talk about playing this. Like, of course, I wrote it down as a possibility, but I'm just kind of like, ugh. Because I, like, <laughs> I know what it entails. Like this is a game I played traveling with my parents over the years on arcade cabinets. You know what I mean? Like I am so familiar. This was a Castlevania three, isn't it? Well, maybe cabinets? not this one on the arcade, but just like just the franchise in general, and like this one specifically on the NES. And so I'm just kind of like, oh man, I, just, I don't think I, I knew the first I Castlevania. I don't think I knew the first Castlevania was an arcade cabinet. There's I will definitely have... an arcade cabinet. Really? I will I have, have to maim that memories. for sure. I will have yeah. to maim that. Let me let me fucking like jot one it. of them. I let definitely me, let me let me jot this down in my fucking moleskin here. <laughs> Castle <laughs> to download that. I feel like uh, I feel like three is like prime time one that was. But I feel that. like the late. You know, I feel like at this point it had become. Just you know, it had become a, a console thing. Like I can see the first one because oh, yeah. they didn't they didn't know that it was going to hit like it did. Uh, but I feel like at this point, it's become all NES to, in my. But they're mind. also like on the little handhelds at the time, the little tigers things. Like you sure. could definitely get Castlevania on all the little like peripheral. Sure, sure, sure. sure. You know so. I think they're trying to maximize it, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they're, yeah. The pimp, pimping the IP out for sure. I don't doubt that. Okay, well, you know, I imagine we'll talk about that later. Beetlejuice is next, cited as being from Acclaim, but that's because LGN was recently sold to Acclaim, and they are still figuring out how they're going to release shit under Ooh. the LJN banner, I guess, is, is my thinking here. Doing research, when I was, yeah, I was looking around first, and I was like, what the fuck, I can't figure out what the fuck. <laughs> looking at Moby Games and stuff, it was really a very confusing fucking web of, well, almost like, Tax with string tied to them on a push board. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking get to the root of this game. But it's rare developed, which again suggests some promise, but it's not out till May of 91. So that also suggests some complications with the LJN acquisition to me, based on how long or how far from now that is. They give it a 68% on the rating meter, cite a 44.95 MSRP. And what's your take on the Beetlejuice, like the movie? Uh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, man. Like, I thought. I mean, to me, it's generally well loved. Like, it's a game that we like. Like, the general public likes. Like, it's well. It's wacky, but it's different. You know what I mean? And I think that's why 
We loved it. Like, that's the only reason I know that. Like, Dayo. Dayo. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever made that song is definitely fucking in love with making the choice to <laughs> sign away that fucking little piece of royalty. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they have definitely probably funded their whole life on that just one instance of, of their song. Yeah, I don't like to quantify art, as you know, but I think it would probably be in my top 10 flicks of all time list if I did. I, I mm, Beetlejuice is... Jab had a VHS cassette of it, and we watched that so many times. And yeah, it's just, it's such a brilliantly original. Everything, everything about it is, is so good, you know. The fucking Keaton's performance is off the charts. It's fucking just great. Really, really cool, creative. Tim Burton, Tim Burton at his finest. I oh, uh, love the cartoon. Also, did you do you remember the? The cartoon school? was good too. It was def- yeah. it was different, but it was it good. was yeah it was yeah, way it was outside wacky. the IP. <laughs> yeah, it went even further for sure, which you should do with an illustrated version of an already wacky IP. I think, but yeah, just it uh, was it was in that same vein as the real Ghostbusters versus the other go like that whole yeah. era, you know, which we've talked taking about. taking it a bit zanier. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Drax Night Out from Parker Brothers is next, and uh, yeah, I already said, and both times we've briefly touched on seeing it uh, on the cover here and wherever the hell it was previously, but this game sounds like a really unique concept, uh, not just in the title, but also in the description of it, and might be pretty damn fun. You are Dracula, you wake up in your castle, and it's been invaded by villagers. So step one is working your way down from the 30th floor, even though <laughs> he should be able to change into a bat and fly out the window, based on my understanding of Dracula, <laughs> but but whatever, he but. has to work his way through the floors by taking, I guess you want him out of your house, maybe, is the, you know, so you got to take the invaders out as you work down through the place. So it sounds like one of the mechanics for that is activating traps that Dracula has, pre, like, as in the character, not you as the player, have set previously all over the castle, and then you can suck their blood once they're incapacitated by the traps. And that's pretty fun and different, you know, than just punching them or whatever... Right. It, it would be shooting some Dracula shit or something like most like the side-scrolling action platformers suggest it might be. But once you're outside of the castle, you then head into the village to capture your prized female, Maiden Mina. And this game, Jay, is sponsored by Reebok. Why is a Dracula game sponsored by Reebok? I don't know, but it is. If you know anything about Reebok in 1990, you know this is going to involve Reebok Pump athletic shoes. Oh, I was Jay, gonna say, Jay, dude. Jay, tell me about your first pair of pumps right now. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I pumped them up so many times. <laughs> of course, of course. For, I mean, first which, I had which ones did yeah, which ones did you have? I'm like, first I had like some knockoff pumps that like still pumped, but they definitely were not the actual. Oh pumps. man, bootleg oh, pumps. Man. Oh shit. Oh, <laughs> but then getting them, yeah, like you had to pump them up like. I think mine were, like, black at first. Like, I had, like, okay. ones that were, like, mostly black because it was, like, different. Oh, man. Uh, I should have tasked you with this in advance Ooh. so you could hunt them down, actually, because I found my pairs. Oh, you did? I have, oh, I have, yeah. I have, I have mucho things to say uh, once I get into my <laughs> pairs. So uh, I'm sad that I didn't give you that opportunity to be able to. F- You'll hunt them down now. You should jot that oh, down. Man, You're like- find the pair. <laughs> it feels good. To find the actual pair feels real good, Jay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so just here. just the one real pair, or did you have? No, yeah, I only had the one real pair. Okay, yeah. Do you know? Can you remember what grade you were in? Oh, I don't. I want to. No, I don't. I it had to have been in. 
It had to have been in like seventh or eighth. Okay, so a little later. So okay, then you might have gotten the pair that one of the pairs I'm going to talk about then because you're you're a year older than me. So yeah, I think you might if if you're seven, you're talking seventh grade. I'm pretty sure I had mine in sixth. So here, okay. So in fourth grade, I had the neon yellow Twilight Zone pumps, Jay, and this these I didn't recall oh, until googling around to find this, but these were technically the Dominique Wilkins shoes dominique wilkins you had the dominiques yes which i you know i don't know if that means anything to you ma'am but i remember in fourth grade rocking dominiques meant i was i didn't remember that my shoes were the callus for this and i guess i don't know for sure that they were because i don't remember that specifically but i do remember it being a thing and getting into some shit about it because if you were pro Dominique in 1990 that means you were anti Air Jordan and Michael Jordan they were directly opposing forces both in these shoes and I think just kind of dunk contest participation kind of what the player meant Dominique was a little older guard right yes so I forgot about that Yes, yes, they were opposing forces. So I, by aligning myself with Dominique, became anti-Jordan. And I remember this being a thing. I remember being a fucking thing in fourth grade, dude. And (laughs) it's even like my best – it's because my best friend had the Air Jordans, which was – they were on the sixth line at the time. And these were the ones that first came with the little red lace clips. If you remember those, the two Dude. holes in the tongue. Yes, yeah. I know. It's I also have the same thing. I know that same emotional thing happening to me right now just talking about this. <laughs> but yes, so yeah, the first one, they give the red, little red clips. And kids probably got fucking stabbed over those in the playground. And I'm not exaggerating that. Like, I bet kids got hurt over kids taking these from them and shit. These were a thing, dude. Like, these shoes were as big of a fucking thing as, as a kid could have in their life. <laughs> those Dude. Jordans. Uh, were such a thing, man. Such a, such a thing. I remember that, and I found my pair. So I remember having the black pair, but I also had, like, the original white, like, mostly white with the black trim pumps. Like, I had those. Like, I'm looking at a picture of them right now. Like, I definitely... Okay. Okay. Whoa, with the big... That's hot. You actually had the orange basketball, but, like, yeah. it was mostly white, you know? I got... Because I remember scrubbing that bad boy... With a oh, toothbrush, the kiwi- with oh, the, soap, did, and like did you, have, did, you the, did you have the kiwi fucking oh my shoe God. shit that they sold at Foot Locker? Oh, no, I did, did not have that. Oh I man, my own stuff at home, man. Like, oh, oh dude, yeah, like, I had the too one. fancy for me, too bougie of cleaning. Yeah, too. no, because dude, yeah, keeping those fuckers. I've told you before, even as a kid, like my, I told you my game cleaning kits and shit, dude. I was on it, dude. I was like. These are Trust the me. important things. I'm preserving them. We, we figured it out. There's a system like there's a certain kind of bar of soap we had that was like plain white. Like that <laughs> was like the good. cleaning. That was the cleaning bar. Like with a toothbrush, Dope. an extra toothbrush. Oh man, you get it nice and clean on the leather. That that's great. Oh. So okay, so yeah, I had that opposing thing going on, and wow. my but my my buddy David Camargo uh, had the black Air Jordan sixes, and I must have gotten enough shit in fourth grade. Because in fifth grade, I converted to the prevailing ideology, and I would get the <laughs> I would get the white Jordan sixes, which are okay. the the tongue was still black with the two holes in it, and you still had the little red lace clips, but the rest of the shoe was white. And I would say, even now in hindsight, those were vastly inferior to the to the all black ones. Um, not nearly as cool, but still cool, of course, but not as cool. 
and also a year old at that point. You know, and and I and I wonder. I would love to know because again, we've talked about you know when we when we talked about the the one uh, Atlanta episode about the kids and the food, fake fubu and all that shit. Like this, the shit that matters to kids is so funny. But I wonder if the reason I got the white ones was mm. because David had the fucking black ones and I either had pressure to not get the same shoe and that would have been that we talked about it <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> that I was like consulting with oh, friends at school about what shoe I might be getting going into back to school shoe shopping is hilarious to me but that's the thing too that's worth saying back to school shot like you were getting the shoes for the year like Dude, you were getting that one nother, pair. Of we shoes. got a whole nother podcast about this <laughs> subject right now. I'm looking at the shoes and thinking about the back to school, the, the space I was in, especially <laughs> right, early yeah. on. When it yeah, was it's like, not. Oh, yeah, oh it's God, not a. Man. You're not making a small decision. You're no. making an annual decision. Dude. Like it's like when you're living in New York, that annual fucking apartment lease, like that level of of life. Like, this is what it's going to be. Like, <laughs> yeah, we need to, I need to make the right. Look at these and like. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I need to make the right decision here because I'm stuck with this for at least 12 months uh, for oh, sure, man. you know. So, yeah, it's huge, 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 huge deal. Oh, man. My first uh, Jordans were just like, oh, it's going to yeah. be a good year, bitches, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. gosh. Oh, man, so good. So, so, so good. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, I would like to make it very clear, too, as we're getting into, like, I'm referring, I'm referencing specific shoe names, the Twilight Zone Reeboks pumps, the Jordan 6s. I want to make it very clear. I am only able to cite these shoe names because I'm Googling, re- looking at Google returns while I type my notes up. I do not, I am not, yeah, I'm not a retro <laughs> sneaker head. I'm, like, I am not anywhere near that psychotic to be collecting that shit or no. If you look at the eBay prices, when I was looking at the eBay prices of some of these shoes, dude, especially the OG ones, mm. oh my God, the fact that people are paying that for fucking shoes is bonkers. Bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. So crazy. <laughs> but they exist. And I have my own sicknesses, so we probably shouldn't talk shit. But, <laughs> so I had those Jordans in fifth grade. And then I would come back to the Reebok side by getting the, uh, and this is going to, if you, I can't wait to look at your face while I say this, Jay. Listen closely to what I'm about to say to you. I got the black D Browns in sixth grade. And do you remember who D Brown was? What? In sixth grade? Yes. Which would put you in seventh. And these are the ones I'm thinking you might've had because these were a big shoe too. Dude. Are these the ones you had? Or is this a shoe that I'm thinking about? You would remember. Well, do you remember before you? While you're looking, do you remember who D Brown is? Yes. Hold on. Okay. Is this? Yes. Who is D Brown? Who is D Brown? Yes, I had these. Yes, Look, I oh, had these too, dude. Yes, the, this yes. one said the black ones. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. 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 yes, yes. I shoe. had the black ones of these too. There were white ones of these, but I also had the black ones. So yes, D Brown was a highly touted draft pick of the Celtics. That wasn't much for Team NBA basketball, but he did work his way into dunk contest fame by doing the dunk where he covered his eyes with the crook of his elbow. Yeah. And while well, already in flight and threw it down, right? So the shoe has a silhouette of him doing that that was actually like on the bottom of it, in this like, you know, in the sole of the shoe. And I have stark ass memories of staring at that while doing stretches on the hardwood floor of my gym class in middle school in sixth grade. And Miss Steen was my gym teacher. Shout out to Miss Steen. <laughs> Woo! EJ. Miss Steen was Man. something in 1993. <laughs> these black ones. Yes. Oh, Any, so. Anytime you had all black shoe at the time, anytime I could get an all black shoe to rock with like black socks, I was 
is so excited. I was the, <laughs> right, the which is, Are you right, kidding yeah. me? Uh, yeah, which so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be caught dead in a black shoe now. It's funny. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. My my Lebrons right now are crazy. They look crazy, man. They're like blue and like oranges. It just they look I'm more sure like they look more like some stuff that like turtle will go find in on you know. Entourage, Entourage you know, from, yeah. the, from the dude who just like does them in his garage. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, no, no I, I haven't bought a basketball. Well, that's not true. I, I have some basketball shoes from my gym shoes, but the, I, you know, I'm like white tee all the time. Fuck it, like I, I buy the most basic looking of everything, and yeah, I, just, I cannot get yeah. into the, 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 the basketball, like the ones that the fuckers, the players are wearing, like are so unappealing to me these days. Oh, are just yeah. they're so crazy. Looking. I, I definitely had a hard time looking. I, I was definitely looking for something more basic, and I was like, "Man, this is just." I guess I, I, I want basketball shoes. Just basically as it'll get. Oh, well, yeah, that's an incredible tangent that yes could warrant its <laughs> very own uh, podcast episode. I'm sure. So about this Drax Night Out game, I'd never heard of it, and that's because it was never released. Jay, which raises the question. How did GamePro have a polished enough preview copy of this to give it a 76% rating? And just in general, I think it kind of sucks two of the first two, three ga- two of the first three games of their Halloween feature are nowhere near or never coming out, you know? So they're they're doing a feature on games that are not applicable to shit you're gonna go be able to go buy right now. And that's bad magazine making, I think. I mean, it's just <laughs> whack all together. They they kick it off like Pulling me in with Tales from the Crypt. There's no Tales from the Crypt game. Yeah. Too much bait and switch. I don't like your bait and switch what tactics, Game Pro. It's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give me give me Nintendo Power. This is not working. This yeah. is not working out. Yep. We are, of course, going to get Bandai's Frankenstein in here, which has been out for a while, and it sucks. It's got a 44.95 MSRP and gets a 72% rating that is just two clicks higher than the Nintendo Power 70%, both of which are fucking insane and have got to be have been paid for by Bandai, in my opinion. For sure. But I guess they're paying both the same amount to get that same, <laughs> whatever. But Data East Werewolf is next. This hits in November with The Last Warrior tacked onto the title, which isn't this issue. But I fucked up and did a bunch of research anyhow. So let's talk about it, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> the description of this game sounds absolutely bananas. It goes as such. This is not Universal Studios werewolf getting, setting shit. It's a futuristic dystopia where... Sorry, this is my words, not the magazines. <laughs> it's a futuristic dystopia where some big bad has unleashed bio-monster death slaves unto the earth. And you play as Chief Warwolf, last of the werewolf line, which of course suggests a prior prominence for werewolves. That's worth mm-hmm. noting. And I love the list of adversaries they rattle off, even toning it with a the usual suspects first in the copy here. So they cite ninjas, great. Gun-toting soldiers, great. Bald-headed wrestlers, great. And bats. <laughs> it's very, yeah, very appropriate to term those the usual suspects for a side-scrolling action game, which this, by the way, is, you know. So, yeah, those are enemies you definitely see in most games of that variety. Hmm. They give it a 72 also, just like Frankenstein, with the fours or with fours all the way through the important categories, gameplay, fun factor, and challenge. They do flat out call the graphics average in the text, but they point out the cinematics are pretty dope. 49.95 MSRP. Did you play it even though it wasn't out, Jay, by chance? I did not because it wasn't out, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that's fair. I did fire it up. The cinematics are pretty lit. 
But otherwise, the graphics and sound music are indeed blah. They also state in the mag feature that they don't throw anything at you here we haven't seen before, and that is also spot on. I think the it's very much the quintessential rent it and forget it action platformer, you know. So yeah. kind I of a bummer. Say, it kind of looks like it would fall into that category. Yeah, it's another one too, though that had its. The post had its love. It got its love, you know. And I can see that. There's like, there's some unique, endearing things. Like the story's kind of crazy. It actually, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Lorik Disciple Mac weighed in uh, and, and said that the North American release of the game came with a comic book. And oh, I looked that, okay. yeah, I looked that up. It's a legit comic, dude. I, links in the show notes if, if you want to look it up. But it's fucking pretty legit comic book to to, have, to come with a. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it had to be mini. Come with it, like a little small size, yeah, like yeah, like to come in a in a box. It it looks full size though, so they must have just scaled it well. But yeah, it. it uh, I like you know, freebies. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Comic books. And yes, I like comics. Like, give it to me. Yeah, that's a side tangent, but that's part of how I fell in love with those Sword Quest games on the Atari. Is that they came with a DC DC made the mm. comics for them, so they were you know legit comic books and. That's the only way you would obviously know all the story that those games are supposed to have to them. So that was, uh, you know, at a, at a time when you couldn't get that kind of storytelling in, in a video game. So very nice. smart marketing tactic to make them uh, a deeper game, you know. Seismic's Hellfire for Genesis gets a full pager next. And with Whip Rush and Final Zone also having their ad drop a couple pages after this, I was lightweight hypothesizing that Sega's third-party developer subsidy that we discussed on Sega Visions 2 last MAGA might actually... You know, I said that they weren't giving cash out, but for them to all these companies be dropping ads into GamePro 2, Mm -hmm. you know, there had to be some money to do that. GamePro wasn't giving these out for free, for sure. I don't give a shit what's it, you know. So, (laughs) yeah, maybe Sega was giving. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. maybe Sega was paying for this stuff for other entities, too, and that's interesting. The Spooktacular finishes out with a couple titles not out yet. Hellraiser from Color Dreams, which we know never comes out from previous research efforts. And Zombie Nation, plus that fuck that company also. And Zombie Nation (laughs) from a company I've never heard of called Meldak. Zombie Nation doesn't hit till December, but it does appear to be a mildly well-regarded, so, or it does appear to be mildly well-regarded. So hopefully we get reminded of it again down the line to give it a try. They then rapid-fire off a list of spooky-themed games they call The Old, and ISOH GameUp alums are in here, Altered Beast, Fester's Quest, and Monster Party. And then there are some ones that are not warranting of game apps. <laughs> Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street, of course, would be here. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Ghostbusters on Genesis, Ghostbusters 2 on NES, and then Godzilla, and then logically Splatterhouse for TurboGrafx-16 too. The old. That's funny. Yes. The first dedicated NES Pro View is ImageSoft's Dragon's Lair, a loosely ported Don Bluth property that surprisingly has never done anything for me. This is surprising because I was all in on just about every other thing this man was ever involved with. Do you? When I say Don Bluth, does that mean anything to you? Do you know? I know the name. But like I'd, okay. have, I'd have to look it up and then be like, oh yeah, he made that yeah. and that. And and that. and that is exactly what would happen if you looked him up, Jay. <laughs> so he started at Disney, which is not at all surprising to hear if you look at the style of animation, uh, all his work. He started there as an animator on Robin Hood, which is easily one of my favorite Disney joints. Oh, so good. Yes, so good. Uh, that song, 
Robin Hood and Big, Big Robin Hood and Little John goes something hunting in the forest is yeah. one of like one of my favorite <laughs> Disney songs of all time. Uh, but just the whole that whole movie, I had that on uh, a, a fucking grandma dub tape, you know, mixtape, VHS mixtape, and fuck is it good? Watch the shit out of it as a kid, and it's right there with Beauty and the Beast and Bambi. I would call my other two, uh, also Mount Rushmores, I guess, of Disney movies. But yes, he would then go off on his own to output absolute banger IPs like The Secret of Nim and American Tale and The Land Before Time. And then I it was a little after my Disney or this type of cartoon thing, but All Dogs Go to Heaven was a big deal too that I know kids of the time very much got into. See, I feel like so, Land Before Time belongs on like if there was like the Mount Rushmore of those. Oh, like, oh Land dude. Before Time. Is those like, fucking Pizza Hut puppets, sure. just everything about it. Oh, oh my God. Give dude. it to me. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Littlefoot, fuck that. And yeah, that's, and that's a Bambi story too with the, you know, Littlefoot and his parent. Yeah, that's fucking, that's gut wrenching illustrated or animated storytelling for sure. Very, 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 very good. And the, the Five ones too, the American Tales are also really good. So yeah, oh. great. Great, 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 great animated filmmaker for sure. The Disney background is just yeah so obvious in his work. And oh yeah, I, yeah, and I love when you can see the Matrix like that on creative work. You know, when you can look at someone's work and go, "Yep," like I, you know, like for example, yeah, we I had it earlier when I was the um, the Boris Vallejo. His like when when I heard that he, you know did all the Conan box arts and then also did the European or the vacation box art. I was like, Oh my God, how did I never <laughs> see that correlation yeah, that and, and, and yeah. Google it? Cause they are the same thing. It's just one's a comedy property and one's fucking Conan, you know, like it's the exact same picture. Fuck, you know? So, uh, just so, I don't know. That's great. I love when that, when that happens. It's funny for me looking at this, when I see that drag, this dragon's lair ad, just like the picture of that Dirk guy, that character, immediately I just think arcade port. Like it immediately yep. transported me back. Like it's not like I can't tell you the name of the game. I can't tell you the name of the story. I can't, but it's immediately like I know that. I know that I know that cabinet. Like, I played yep. that game. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's you know it, it's because it is that that arcade cabinet is it's the stuff of arcade legend because it was yeah. the first laser disc deal and it was such a bad game because there is no game. It's just you're just hitting a, <laughs> hitting a button at a certain time to advance the story. It's not even a game. Yeah, it's and like, like what is it? <laughs> and they charged more for it. It was always it's always like an elevated number of tokens to play. Yeah. It's just yeah. You're like, just, wait a minute, wait a minute. This one's this one's four? <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah. And, and like and it, it's because it looks incredible. It's easy to get sucked into mm-hmm. it. But when you get in there, you're like, oh I got ripped off here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like visual, oh yeah, it takes me back. But I don't want to play. Not a good memory, yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. not a good memory, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, the and then you know this is obviously for the NES port, not the arcade cabinet. And this is the NES port is just a side-scrolling action deal. It's nothing like the arcade Laserdisc kit, and is not till December, so we're not going to play it yet. But the it's yeah, a completely different type of game. And I you know I actually have since we're on the topic, I my buddy AGB had the SNES game, which probably is very similar, I would guess, to the NES one in type because it also was a side-scrolling action platform, but looked way better for obvious reasons, being on the SNES. And I kind of, you know, like, 
I didn't love it, I don't think, but I think it was playable. I think I remember being good. I'm pretty sure actually all, a lot of those Disney games on the SNES were all pretty good. The Aladdin, I know, is well-regarded. So the those, and this isn't Disney, I guess, but it's close enough. Um, probably It's probably actually developed by the same company would be my guess. We'll, we'll find out when we get there many years, many moons from now in the SNES lineage. But um, yeah, I kind of remember it semi-finally. So they have a 4495 MSRP and for this, and it gets a 68% rating. Which is not that so great. High ratings. Well, I mean, well, that's that's not high. Well, I guess when you look at it though, from a visual standpoint, color wise, right? I'm thinking they've got a red, they've got an orange and yellows. Like it, no. it's better than seeing like the purple and the you know the other color, <laughs> like, whatever that other one was. But I agree, like the the fun and challenge are kind of the yellow. Like you'd hope you'd hope to see that one higher. Yep. 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 We shall find out. It'll be out in December. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in our Christmas themed episode. I'll have my sweater on. Next soft is <laughs> remember is, you got you already here. If he's not showing up in a sweater, <laughs> yeah, rage fucking, in the comments. Yeah, yeah, zero zero stars rating on on Apple iTunes or on Apple Podcasts. Next soft is porting over PC mega hit Wizardry next, and the opening paragraph of this pro view is stellar. And I must 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 oh read. There we were. Sitting around Gilgamesh's tavern, having a few ales and wondering what to do with the rest of our weekend. It was just the six of us. Sir Charles, the pig-headed, Clorox, the wit- Wittner, <laughs> Bowlby, the baggy, Oprah, the interviewer, Merloon, the unwashed, and Bob, the healer. It wasn't long before our tavern talk turned into boasting, as tavern talk usually does. Sir Charles claimed he once... He once journeyed through the dreaded realms of Mordor alone in search of a lost kitten. He said matter-of-factly, "That's nothing," shouted Merloon. "Why, I once fought a blue, a small blue dragon, and I was completely out of spell power." And so it went for hours until some joker, I think it was Sir Charles, suggested we head down to the proving grounds of the Mad Overlord to really see who was the toughest. So now here we are, trapped in the dark, wounded, out of magic, and I think I hear some big nasty creatures coming around the corner. Whose bright idea was this, anyways? And yes, oh that is as good as magazine copy gets in 1990. So they did a. This is, I think, to date the best thing I've seen in a game pro. That 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 few paragraphs there, really, 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 really good. So this is a, a very good uh, pro view on a game that uh, you know I've uh, I've only I would say it's half jokingly brought up by Jab in our group chat. This week, the idea of him dropping in for an impromptu cameo appearance to officially set the stage for this ongoing campaign to convince you to participate in a side quest on this near impossible gaming experience because <laughs> the game is is rough. I think uh, you know I you don't need to worry. I'm in your corner as far as that goes. So just uh, democratically, oh I don't think I don't think you'll get backed into this. But um, it is side quest only game. shit for sure. It's not. It's too much to even dream of playing for a game episode. I'm like at this point, I see that. I think you guys have like given me the opposite effect. I see that name, and I immediately just want to stiff arm it. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're not you're, even you're, talking about. It. You're not wrong in having <laughs> that sentiment. The they they include maps of the first couple of floors here, and they look like legit hand hand drawn game maps. Like, you know that they someone drew on graph paper so it does big yeah, yeah big respect from me to the game pros on that scanning those in here and one of the pro tips in here is also kind of fucking incredible i gotta read this pro tip 
the clever reset trick. A nifty trick you can do with wizardry is to hit the reset button on your S- on your NES whenever your party is about to die or you're just generally in a bad situation. After you hit the reset button, choose the restart and out party menu selection. This sends your party back in time several turns before your run-in with death or another type of nastiness. Oh, and what? how insane is that, Jay, that they just straight up, you will need to cheat at this goddamn game. Right? Here's how to do it. <laughs> like, is this really a pro tip? Like, we're calling it that. Yeah, that's a life. We all, that's we a all life, know what this is, man. Yeah, that's a life hack, not a pro tip. Yeah, yeah, no, it's hit reset. It's, hit reset. It never happened. Like, it's an intense know, game. Now. It's got a whopping fifty four ninety five MSRP for it, which I think is the highest we've ever seen for an NES game. So that's interesting. And they bestow a awfully fucking solid eighty percent onto it. I think Dude. you know, like a you know, again, I. You can tell just by the copy in this article that this game is this type, this person's type of game just because of the way they write about it. So that surely it's the, the biggest testament ever to all that shit they were saying about the rating system introduction in the letter from the editor, how it's subjective and someone's opinion and take it with that in mind. You know, I think that's very applicable to this calling it an 80% because... It's a great game, and if you want this exact thing, this game nails bringing it to the NES, I agree. But I think from a more general perspective, 80% is probably high. Dude, are you kidding me? The fact that you have someone who's already mapped out with the stencil paper. Right, right, exactly, right. Yeah, he's got these routes with a key, with with their own legend. The fact that that's necessary, I'm out. Like, I can't even, like, much respect to you for doing that. But, like, that uh, is not why but I'm Jay, my NES, man. This Jay, you could have singed the edges of these maps if you had made your own. But if I did that, I'd be cutting off valuable real estate. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is just the scan. They cropped this. This is called magazine layout, Jay. I mean, there's plenty of room for your ha- for your actual tangible yeah, copies I don't, to I have don't want to make edges. stuff that I hate look, look nicer. You know, like that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. You might not hate it if you, if you, had, if you had nostalgia for this game. Yeah. 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 Ads for Jalico's Maniac Mansion and Safel's Wall Street Kid for the NES are paired with that pro view. I think it's very applicable, you know, that they chose those two games to pair with the, this particular mm-hmm. pro view because I think the kind of person that likes all or is at least intrigued by one of them is going to at least be intrigued by the other two also. And the uh, Maniac Mansion ad is new. I dig the simple but cool art of a goofy face and the night sky above the mansion as the comet screams down towards it. That's pretty fun. And then the Wall Street Kid ad. It's the same box art illustration we've seen numerous times, but they have tacked on a COD mail order form at the bottom, and it is $49.95 plus shipping and handling, California residents add sales tax, and no information or formula is provided for calculating that total amount, and that's because COD was a fucking insane thing, <laughs> and did you ever order any shit like this back in the day? Do you have any no, COD memories? I just, I just remember always that term, hearing it all the time, COD, did it like... Be like, man, yep. that's always uh, an important the, thing. Yeah, the infomercial type. Absolutely. Yeah, I never deals. Are you kidding me? Always said. Oh, oh man. Okay, so yes, you mail this in. Let me explain COD to kids today. And holy fuck, is this sit out? I hope you're sitting down when you listen to how this this flowchart of things. So you mail this in, 
with no payment info at all. No check, no cash, no credit card info, nothing. You just, you fill out this little form, you put it in an envelope, you steal one of your parents' stamps, you send it to this place. And in the, they quote in this particular case, it wasn't always, obviously delivery windows are different. I, I feel like eight weeks was a much more frequent, six to eight weeks was a much oh, more yeah, frequent six to eight delivery. Weeks for sure. Yeah, yeah. So allow six to eight weeks for delivery is, was a, a very, also one of those infomercial yeah. terms, I feel like. But in this case, they're quoting a two to four week delivery window here. But two to four weeks is a fucking wide gap of time, right? So in this two week window from when you fire this fucker off, uh, you know, you, don't know when it's going to happen, but at some time in that two-week window, if they're right, and, and like I'm sure I'm going to spitball a percentage, 33% of the time, I bet it didn't happen in that two- to four-week window. I bet it was outside of that on, on one side or the other. In that two- to four-week window, a random UPS guy is going to show up and knock on your door and expect you. He's going to look you in the eye and in all genuine honesty – expect you to have exact change on whatever the fuck that unknown total turned out should have been with the sales tax sales tax and or shipping added in you're just supposed to have that money in exact denomination laying Cash around your house on delivery yeah folks. yeah yeah exactly and he's not he's not gonna have change yeah. because and i don't know why but i don't know who knows you know but i and i think i remember that correctly i think i remember having to just give the guy 20s you know see i i remember buying a bunch of like buffalo bills shit like these plaques i don't know if you remember these or ever saw them but they'd be like, i remember buying from i think my shout newspapers the the bills newspaper that i subscribed to in like ninth ish grade maybe uh you could buy the i bought a bryce pop one where it was like it's a wooden plaque with a big eight by ten photo that came in these eight by ten photo top loaders just like they had for football cards it was just like the same exact thing, but big enough for an eight by ten photo, and that can't not autographed or anything, just a photo of Bryce Pop, and then a a little shitty fake metal plate down below the picture that said Bryce Pop on it. And I bought that <laughs> for probably a funny amount of money, <laughs> and I remember buying that COD uh, back then, which is hilarious, you know. Oh, yeah. And I also remember all the in high times. The, the the high times magazines oh, we used what? to get a hold of yeah for for my my weed smoking phase the i remember ordering bongs and they would always be cod because you know no one no one wanted <laughs> to good. fucking no one wanted to put their name down or their their real shit down oh, for yeah. a bong going to come in the mail you know <laughs> even though it's coming to your fucking house like you're not fooling how's anybody that, i always wondered how businesses like that work like how are you shipping stuff like well they had to call it it was tobacco that's how it was they were tobacco pipes that's you so know funny. and all it was like it was they had to and all the marketing stress that it was for tobacco use only and it was always like in big bold letters and shit you know but yeah, we know no one's buying tobacco for no one's buying bongs for tobaccos bro <laughs> for tobacco smokes bro yeah oh just so wild this is such a wild concept that that whole thing you know that you could do that and it comes and the guy asking you to give money like that's just fucking insane by modern standards but right. it was how things were done at the time so Konami's Mission Impossible gets an 80% rating, and we, we saw this a while back and talked about it, but it's quoted at a 43.95 MSRP to close out the NES joints, and then into Genesis Pro Views with Activision released Razorsoft developed Mondu's Palace, aka Slaughter Sport, mm-hmm. is, is the first up of those. And the artwork they dialed up for this is Primo, 
just like we speculated it might be, and I really like that. They give this game an 84% rating and a 49.95 MSRP, as mentioned here, and that seems crazy high to me. I mean, I told you, did you have you did you tried it yet? Because you didn't, you hadn't, you couldn't find it before. Have you tried it now? Right. No, I didn't. I didn't do it this time. Still haven't. Okay. Yeah. It's fucking. They explain more about the game in here than I was able to experience. Discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So you know. I couldn't even get a foothold in that first battle. I got my ass kicked, uh, even though they say he's a pushover here in the fucking copy. But, like, just, I mean, I would have speculated. They didn't talk about this in the Sega Visions, which is bad job by Sega Visions. Good job by GamePro, I guess. But they talk about a bunch of wacky shit that I did not see. The money you can earn from the fights, you can buy spells for your characters. So, like, actual magic. And one of them they mention here is a conjuring of a swarm of bees. That will fuck your opponent up. So, unexpected. That's a crazy-ass mechanic. <laughs> you know, spells at all. Then the fact that one of the spells is just implementing a swarm of bees that's going to attack your opponent mid-fight is pretty wild. And then it says you can get codes to play as monsters instead of just the, the guy that you play when you start the game normally. And one of those skills that the monsters has, or one of the monsters has, I should say, is detaching your own leg and beating the shit out of your opponent with it. So, you know. So on and so forth. So there's a, wacky. Yeah, there's just a lot of crazy shit in there, just like you would expect it to have based on everything that I was able to experience. But uh, it was just, you know, fucking wild. <laughs> just <a laughs> wild game. And, and, and uh, again, I just can't stress. I can't believe I missed it as a kid. I wasn't going to let this title fly by again without doing some additional research on Razorsoft, though. So... I dove into that. The actual development of these games, Slaughter Sport and Technocop, was done by a subsidiary of Razorsoft's called Punk Development. And even that name, you know, my God, does that add up, right? That they call that the company that made these games or cooked these games up is called, to call themselves Punk Development makes total sense. And that company was founded by a guy named Jeff Spangenberg. And he would be the dude I'd expect to have the debilitating coke habit behind these games that I talked about. (laughs) In the Sega Visions episode. So Jeff and his disciples would sever from Razorsoft in 1991 and start a new studio by the name of Iguana Entertainment. Does that name mean anything to you, Jay? That sounds familiar. Why? Yes. It should. It should sound very familiar because I immediately remembered their logo from NBA Jam. which is their Yes. Yes. It's their biggest title by far, but they had some other big boys. They did NFL Quarterback Club, which is the the game behind my crazy taking, ripping stickers off Nintendo 64 games and putting them on other cartridges and taking them back to Babbage's. Like, that's the game that I took back to Babbage's (laughs) to get get Madden 99. But they also did Arrow the Acrobat. They did Batman Forever. They did Frank Thomas's Big Hurt Baseball. So you're saying this was a warm-up card for them when they were just figuring stuff out. (laughs) Yep, 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 basically. Uh, They they would go a little more mainstream. Uh, But, yeah, they they would get acquired by Acclaim in 95 and then liquidated in Acclaim's bankruptcy in 2004. And yeah, that I mean that on NBA Jam, that opening credit card was like an iguana laying on the side, next to the iguana I entertainment totally logo, that. kind of in like I don't know Windows screensaver kind of 3D text fashion, and the basketball was bouncing. I want to say or bounces across the screen or some shit like that. Or actually, he might have been spinning on his finger. I think the iguana might have been spinning on his finger while he's laying down, if if I recall correctly. But yeah, very memorable uh, title card, I guess, company card company logo card. And so after that, Acclaim 
acclaim bullshit uh, liquidation, he would Wait also found. Wait a minute. Time out. We're going to put some respect on Acclaim's name. Okay. Acclaim has came out with many, many hot games. Oh, right. oh dude. But that, you know, that's sheer, that's sheer volume, though. That's not percentage. The percentage is not good. The Yes, they released so many games and were so big that, yes, some of them they hired good development studios like this studio to make good games. I'm like, they, are we disrespecting the Double Dragon 2 people? But they, all, they also yes, acquired so LJN and all those shitty LJN games. They also acquired all... all they, they did a lot of bullshit license schlock just like mm. LJN, which would, would get would get. I'm like, uh, they were more of combat? Like, okay. I'm like, you can't... You gotta respect Yeah, no! And, yeah, and, and I would say... I would say their 16-bit era was much better than their 8-bit oh, era, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. So no, I'm not saying it's all junk. I'm simply <laughs> saying they they had a lot of junk because of they were they were sheer vol they were a sheer volume studio for sure. They did That's a lot right. of fucking of of shit. So this retro studios that this Jeff Spangberger also founded is. They, by 2000, they had secured the Metroid series from Nintendo, which is kind of wild if you think about that. What? Nintendo was licensing that out, which is part of why probably, Metroid's always been like a weird bastard child property for Nintendo. It's never been quite Zelda, uh, Mario type tier stuff, even though it is like a, it's, it's like one right of, up there. It's like exactly. A, it's, a it's just one, it, right, right. Just one click lower. Right. But yeah, they, so they license this out and, uh, starting with the Metroid prime game on GameCube, which I owned and is it's revered as being a very, very, very good, well done Metroid game. And that's the first one that brings it into a 3d space. Uh, I just listened to some podcast that actually did a, a, a spot on it um, and kind of relived that experience. But yeah, so so this company, uh, it's interesting to me that there's that through line, that it has all those, you know, connective tissues to things that I danced around or in, uh, partook in, but these orig- these their first titles are crazy. <laughs> crazy. Uh, I still don't want to play Slaughter Sport, though. It's, it wasn't good. <laughs> So the last Genesis Pro view is Renovation's Whip Rush, and this is one of the many shmups we liked from Sega Visions Issue 2. They give it a 72% respectable uh, Pro view rating. And then comes the latest Genesis Does advertising Palooza, a record-setting five-banger this time, five pages, and they give us a What Nintendo Don't feature on Sword of Vermillion as their marquee title. And they have some new screenshots that we haven't seen, and the biggest of those is a side-scrolling action-looking deal I did not see in my brief diddling with it. Like, we talked about this in the Sega Visions episode, and I kind of mentioned that I had fucked with it. It was kind of plain Janey, and, like, there wasn't much to it. But I didn't see any of this. So, including there's there's that, and there's also some over-the-shoulder third-person Windows screenshots that I did not see when I played it. So, I'm thinking this game might have a lot more going on in it, on in it than it lets on immediately. Kind of not unlike Adventures of Link type shit multiple mm-hmm. gameplay modes you know and that makes me want to kind of back off my we don't need to think of or ever talk about side questing this you know this is actually the game seeing this is actually what led to me making that list that i need to put mm. swords and serpents on is is you know making sure we don't uh let anything get lost fall through the cracks and we never stop talking about games that weren't talking about for our side quest series so i yeah. mean it's 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 intense though like you're talking about 300 hours 
of gameplay. We talked like about that. We talked about like that. All that's, of that. That's, you know what that's I mean? insane. It's, that's insane. It still sounds bonkers. That's not accurate. That's fucking bullshit. There's no Like, way. I will agree. <laughs> I will agree. Like, even taking a look at it again for this episode, it's like, all right, like, it does look like it could be cool, but then reading through this, I'm like, ah, man, I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah. But that's why that's what side quests are supposed to be a lot. That's exactly why we do them there in that venue, True. because a lot is applicable. And the last two pages are new of this Genesis spread here. The first page is, is five big CRTs featuring five titles. Joe Montana Football, Super Monaco GP, Pat Riley Basketball, Buster Douglas Boxing, and Bejeweled. I mean, Collins. <laughs> Second page is a cutout coupon you can mail in with a Genesis purchase receipt from September 15th through October 31st for a free game any of those five on the first page here and that is an unreal deal man these are not nuts right yeah these are not bullshit carts at all I'm like they're look, i'm like let's relook at this again like are you kidding me like if i'm a kid <laughs> like i want to play buster douglas boxing or like Stoked. i would take that all day. that's probably i mean that's probably the worst one i would say here you know and and they it's funny they you know there's you know not any it's not a bad deal, I'm saying. You, know, there's not, you don't even have to even cover the shipping. They just send you the game, which most of these kind of thing, like, you know, even that dumbass Technocop, Technocop, Tech, I can't say it, Technocop poster mm-hmm. ad in the Sega Visions required you to pay the postage on your yeah, fucking you poster. Gotta, you know? Yeah, so, so the idea they didn't make you pay shit was, that's, this is a good deal. Uh, but, you know, so it, it's still a great deal, but they do reserve the right to substitute Buster Douglas boxing in the event they run out of one of the good games on here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the so, end of the day, it's, it's still a free game. It's right? still, yeah, it's still a good, it's for free. Yeah. I'll play Buster Douglas boxing. No doubt. Yeah. Happily, 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 but I'd rather play one of the other four. Yeah. I'd rather have columns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have columns. The, the, so yeah, those, the basketball and football titles have, uh, they've been pimping out for a long time now, but they still aren't out November for Riley and December for Montana. So the next time we talk, about anything Sega because we've done the Sega Visions that covers prior to this. The next Sega Visions and or the next Game Pro will have Pat Riley. So we'll finally get to, to, to play some basketball 16-bit jam. And that, that will be fun for sure because we haven't had one of those yet. Uh, at least that I can – right? We haven't. Had, we don't have a 16-bit basketball no, yet, do we? No, yeah, I don't think so. And then December for Montana, which I'm also excited about because that is a game I like. Even though it's, a, it's not quite Madden uh, as far as the quality goes, but it is – interesting and and i'll enjoy talking about it and playing it when we get there the lone sms title is super monaco gp which gets a whopping 80 percent rating but why the hell would you play the sms version right now when you can play the genesis one unless your parents didn't love yeah i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) out of necessity i saw you (laughs) right 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 Yeah, there's some tired NES full pagers before Sega spends even more dough with their 17 new third-party developers two-page spread. And that was also in the Sega Visions issue too. There is one new one here, though, I didn't recognize, and they just have a coming soon in place of the screenshot, so I'm sure it wasn't there in that issue. But it's Micronet's Caesar, and this is a top-down strategy deal that will be released as Warrior of Rome in February of 91. So it's a ways off before we need to... Fucking dip our toes into some strategy waters here. It's a 16-bit console deal, and you know, as much as I might have liked them at the time, they're, they're they have been they always are rough sledding on the controls front with the, with these console iterations. You know, but interesting one nonetheless. After these messages, we'll be right back. The equipment. 
power for your NES. The power behind the hottest video games. The game, Super Glove Ball. Your entrance into an electrifying maze, only the fastest will survive. Buy Power Glove now and you'll receive a free Super Glove Ball game back by mailing proof of purchase to Mattel by April 30th, 1991. The Power Glove and free Super Glove Ball game from Mattel. An offer too powerful to refuse. I have such a love-hate relationship with the Schmauer Dove, Jay. I think I think maybe I should talk to someone about it. Uh, and that, and that, that commercial makes me think of that. <laughs> so makes me self-reflect about that. It just had so much promise. It was it looked so cool, and it was yeah. such an item of like you just wanted it. You know, yeah. an object just, of desire. Yeah, such a sparkly thing. But oh man, was the man did the luster <laughs> wear off up close. The the only T T sixteen Pro View is first up here, and it's Dragon's Curse. And this incompetent fucking psychopath reviewer, David Winstead, makes not one passing mention that this is an exact one-for-one port of ISOH alum Wonderboy 3, The Dragon's Trap, on SMS. And how could you do that? that? How, could you, how could you do a whole piece on this and not bring that up? How could you do that? <laughs> yeah, when I looked at it, I was like, wait a minute. Didn't we? Didn't we, <laughs> Did we like, I immediately, I immediately knew. You yeah, know, like, that is like, fucking exactly here. what it is. They give it a solid 8% of the rating, and that's mm-hmm. encouraging. And the MSRP is rather inoffensive at $48.99 by <laughs> TurboGrafx-16 standards. And I, I was presuming this would be dope as fuck on the, on the TurboGrafx. Uh, a great middle ground between the SMS version, which we liked, and you know I 100% yeah. enjoyed that experience, but it was very SMS-y. And... Yeah a true modern remaster and i loved that you know so i that the idea of that to me was very appealing and it's i wouldn't call it a one for one your mm. protagonist sprite is a little different which is why they refer to you in the copy here as <laughs> they, it's such a rip off if you look at the character in particular it's clearly such a rip off but yeah. it's who man so h u hyphen M-A-N instead of He-Man, right. H-E hyphen M-A-N. So nice, nice fucking try there, uh, whoever did this. But the yeah, it's it's um, they replace Wonder Boy with that. So Sega, I guess, wouldn't let – it's probably out of necessity. Like an IP issue? Right, yeah. They probably wouldn't let Wonder Boy because that Wonder Boy was kind of mm. their ma- – one of their potential mascot developing mascot options so they're probably we'll give you the game but you got to change the dude and you can't be wonder boy (laughs) yeah so uh that's interesting i think but yeah otherwise it's exactly the same game uh the better music and the graphics honestly are kind of disappointingly not it's it's exactly the same like it's not they did not i don't feel like they i guess what i'm saying here is they did not take advantage of the better hardware i don't think with the turbo graphics to improve the look of the game generally speaking it's very identical i think so that was kind of a bummer but it is i mean if you didn't have an sms and you did have a turbo graphics you should have bought this game because it's a good game still you know yeah. just like wonder boy is that's super disappointing though this feels like a backwards port then because yeah. l- like looking at these screenshots in the mag it doesn't look impressive i was wondering right. Because yeah, like, exactly I, I knew you were going to say you played it. I'm like, does it look better? Because this doesn't look anything special nope. like TurboGrafx. Exactly scene. the same. It felt exactly – it was it was wild. I mean, everything. Mm. The movement felt ex- – it was 
I get that might be its own testament because usually you port across system to systems, and you get it's just something's a little different. It's gonna feel a little different. Like it felt exactly the same. It was fucking wild. So, in some regards, good, but I expected it to have improved with the port to some degree, and it didn't do that. A glorious Sunsoft NES spread hits next. ISOH alums Batman and Fester's Quest headlining here, but we also have Blaster Master, Journey to Silius, and the Game Boy Batman. And that carries us into everybody's favorite segment, Jay's Atari Corner! <laughs> Tell them what they've won, Jay. It looks like a shmup. Oh my gosh, meltdown. It is, it is definitely <laughs> a shmup. This is definitely not a game that I played growing up, but like, like it's not even a game... It's the type of game that I would have seen at the at the the neighborhood flea market or at a garage sale. You know what I mean? And you're like, I I don't know what this is, but I don't have it. But it, but it's here. Right? <laughs> it's fucking here. here. <laughs> like, like the rest of my Atari existence, it's fucking here. So yeah, I guess so, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Like like one of the pro tips talks about a continuous shot weapon. Like that's always an option that I, I'm gonna want involved in a game. So you know it it it's something again. You put it in front of me, I'm going to enjoy it, but like, I'm definitely not going to go back and try it out. And the did not, did not fire it up, did not try it. No, I, I okay. looked at this and I'm just like, this is just going to be disappointing. <laughs> like, I know I didn't play it as a kid. Like, there's a hundred percent, hundred percent. No, I didn't play as a kid. And so looking at it, I'm just like, this is, this is going to make me sad. And I say that, you know, this as a man who has such fond memories of the Atari and games, I hundred percent fire up and. The ratings on this are not good, and I looked at yeah. this. I even looked at a video, and I'm like, I, I just can't, man, because it's just gonna, it's gonna be another reason that make me not want to pick up the next Atari game. <laughs> I do want to play because there's that. It's always worse. It's always worse, sadly, than I remember. Yeah. You know. Yes, you're right. They give it a lowly 56 percent <laughs> on the rating, which is not good. But the MSRP is a fitting 29.95, which I guess maybe actually is not fitting by. If it's a if it's bad by Atari seventy eight hundred standards, yeah. that's probably not a good MSRP. But if you just put it into the rest of the uh, marketplace for the other systems, that sounds good. 30, 30 bucks for a new game, quotations sounds good. Yeah. They I, I love that. I don't know if we've seen this yet, but they try to pair a little seven eight hundred advertising with this since they have the attention of so many Atari enthusiasts with that 56% banger shmup that they have the pro view on. And it's an Akari Warriors full pager. And the cop, this is a great ad. It's one of the few, one of the new games for the Atari 7800. Try it if you're man enough. And then it's got a dope ass illustration. Uh, I love the M16 magazine in his vest pocket. Dude. Like somebody might have a pack of smokes loaded up for quick deployment. <laughs> you know? Uh, did you play this one? Dude, I'm ecstatic. Look yeah? like playing this. I'm just like, a, I'm excited to see in a 7800 ad. Like, I'm super – a full page one? Like, when do you see that? Right. You know? And I'm going to fire it up because, of course, this is a title I've heard of. So, yeah, it's Akari Wars. I mean, we've talked is about it. Is it better than the NES one? Of course it the is. NES, like, well, really? The NES one is really bad. So – It's – I still like it. <laughs> I still own it. I own the cart. I like it. And I still say it's bad. So – I still like it. It's It's not great. It's no, not it's great. Not, it's not, not great. Okay, okay, you know, okay, it, okay. It, it's kind of what you would think of in terms of your uh, your double dragon, where like, yeah, if this is the only version you have, you're playing uh, it, you're like, I guess right, it, you know, I guess it counts. Yeah, I it's guess working, it counts. It's but, working, yeah. but then you play the NES version, it's like, yeah, this one's this one's better though. Yeah, yeah. I love the the 
headline at the bottom there. The boys are making house calls. <laughs> That's a great piece of copy. Yeah. All card warriors. Yep. All the Game Boy Shiat comes next. Previews on DuckTales, Ashido, and Mercenary Force. And the latter gets a 92% rating, which you know, I'm, only bringing, I'm only bringing up a Game Boy rating because this is our first time seeing That's them in the magazine. Uh, and it seems a little wild to me. For a Game Boy title of any kind to be 92%. But, but uh, you know, I guess that's probably unfair. And I'd never heard of it or fucked with it. But, it, it like, you know, that seeing that rating made me read the copy and kind of see what the game was. Because I had no yeah. familiarity with it whatsoever. So I was reading through this. And it actually does sound like there's some deeper RPG strategy shit. It does with seem action. RPG, right? Right, right. So it seems like something that actually it might be really fucking good. So I kind of... I know I can put that down too for my game. I feel like they just. (laughs) I feel like they didn't know what they were doing. Like, because even when you read the copy, it talks about like leading a band, like challenging shoot 'em up. But then they talk about leading a small band, and you look at it and you're like, wait, this doesn't look like a shoot 'em up. This right, like you might be shooting, but this feels more RPG. This feels more that there's, you know, that this is not that game. That's not what you lead with. You know, definitely, definitely a lot of layers. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I it might. Between that and that, that's uh, that, the only other rating in the whole magazine that's higher than that is Castlevania Three. That's crazy, and they're not wrong about Castlevania Three at all. So to put it in the same echelon as that is wild for any Game Boy game, but particularly wild for a game I've never heard of. You know, <laughs> so. I'm a little surprised that it's so much higher. I'm surprised that's higher than Ducktales. I would think Ducktales would be the. Yeah, I actually couldn't remember. I knew that put right there. I'm just fucking. I got too many notes. Too many notes. <laughs> fucking too many notes. But I need to. I don't think I've ever played the Ducktales on Game. But Boy. yeah, I was gonna say I didn't have it as the on the Game Boy. It looks good. The Game Boy either. Yeah, it look. Yeah. It looks good. But is it also Capcom? Yeah, Capcom. Yeah. So yeah, the Mega the Mega Man Game Boy version is pretty good. So. Capcom does okay with taking this kind of game from NES to Game Boy, so you know maybe it's good. But yeah, it's definitely not. They don't definitely don't rate it as high. Huh. I'll check them out. Full pagers though are through here. Are some NES acclaim bullshit with Bigfoot and then Total Recall, as well as an NES Capcom joint I was unfamiliar with. Street Fighter 2010: The oh Final Fight. This is the article or the artwork behind me. And so let's talk copy first, just story setup. The whole thing started when you invented this radical formula that turns men into supermen, and someone stole it. You have to fight some very deadly interplanetary interplanetary characters to get it back, and that's just for starters in Street Fighter, one of the toughest games for Nintendo ever. And kind of sounds like a story some asshole would tell you at a bar. (laughs) You know, like some drunk would tell you. It's like a crazy-ass story. And the and I like that, and we'll explain why this is significant, I think. They use the verbiage, one of the toughest games for Nintendo ever, I think is supposed to be a veiled double entendre. And mm-hmm. that's funny and interesting to me. But August 8th for, was the highly specific release date for a rando title that I'd never heard of. And I thought that was interesting that we actually had, I mean, most games you can't get a specific date for. So that's interesting in of itself. But I fired it up. The opening cinematic and story setup for this game is bat shit wild. Like, if you, like, read all this shit. I posted the whole video on our socials. It's like two minutes, some shit. They spend setting this story up. And you just absolutely have to love Capcom for doing this because it's nuts. But 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it, you didn't need. I don't know. You don't need it, and it means nothing. But, <laughs> but yeah. But so here's a little excerpt from it that I thought worth reading. As Ken had no interest in the frontier. Then his partner Troy was killed. Someone broke into their lab, stole their invention, and left Troy as a pile of jelly on the floor. It's been 25 years since Ken was king of the Street Fighter circuit, but that's nothing some bionics can't fix. And that's just the very first paragraph on this Star Wars text roll they give you before the start of the game. And then it only gets crazier from there. The story turned on, it's been 20, like, you know, it's the shit about the lab and stuff. And then it just, like, there's no, uh, there's no, um, oh, blank on the fucking word. There's no... Like logically, next, there's no connective tissue between that and then the fact that he, that this inventor was a street fighter, a king of street fighting 25 <laughs> years prior. Like the fact that there's no, no segue there, that's the word I was searching for, is crazy. That's batshit writing. That is crazy writing. Uh, I like crazy writing, but that is crazy writing. <laughs> so okay. the story setup is wild, but then getting to the game itself. I mentioned it when we were talking about the Ninja game earlier. Like, this has the, some really nimble controls for an NES game. Like, it's what's, you know what it is? It's what Strider should have been for the oh, NES, man. you know? Like, it should have had this level of, like, the wall climbing and, like, when you are flipping up from a platform or from below a platform up onto it. Like, that little yeah. swing animation is really good for 8-bit animation, I think. And yeah, all that feels really good and looks really good, but I couldn't even kind of beat this first dude. Did you? Because it is just, it's like, it's not, it, it, it starts and it feels like you're going to play a side-scrolling action platformer, but it's not. It's like this arena thing. It's just a big arena. And you fight this dude in the first one that kind of reminded me of Firefly from Batman, the first boss and Batman, you know, kind of this flying dude that does these swoops and shit and has some projectile bullshit i think but yeah it's uh, did, did you were did you, you played it i presume so yes to directly answer your question yes i played it no i did not beat the first boss <laughs> okay okay but good it, i'm not alone that's good it's Don't funny play. to indirectly answer your question it's funny to hear you talk about this game as if you'd never heard of it, this game so my first exposure with this game was after playing street fighter 2 the good Street Fighter, the worldwide phenomenon. So in like the nineties, yeah. So like, like in like ninety two or whatever, you know. So like somehow, like I get this cart like as a rental, clearly, you know. And thinking, I'm looking think, at this, thinking you're gonna get a Street dude, Fighter two experience I'm like, on your like NES? a futuristic, like you know, because because <laughs> at that point there already been Super Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter two Turbo, yeah. Super, you know, like all this kind of expansion, like it's blown up. Like you find yeah. us at the arcade. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Street Fighter twi- 2010, yeah. it's Ken. You know what I mean? He's in the future. Like. Yeah, they even got the name. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. So, I don't know. It's crazy. I'm getting this game and I'm like, well, it's Capcom too. I didn't, actually, I, didn't make, I didn't make that connection. That fucking, Dude. So they're using. They're like, like, oh my you're God. You're looking at dude. this in a complete. I'm looking at this in the vein of like, this is a not, straight up spin off of Street Fighter 2. Oh my God. And this I did is not, so I did not whack compared to that. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, well, compared this is to the fucking. Remotely, yeah. like, live you up can't, to that. Vein. You can't compare any NES experience to. I mean, God. But that's what I mean. Like, in my now. mind, like, that's what. Like, and even at the time, and it, it, actually, yeah, no, the more I'm thinking about it, it was probably. I had been playing Street Fighter 2 in the arcades 
since this clearly came right. out before. Yeah. I was going like to say, in yeah. the timeline, but I don't know that at the time. Right. I'm playing Street Fighter 2 in arcades whenever that first debuted, and then I got a Nintendo, and I'm like, oh, and I, I see this, and I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this, man? That's, you know, that's, like, exactly, it's one that's of those exactly what happened. Mario yeah, yeah. Atari switcheroo situations, like, what are we doing? Yep. So I can't even like give this. I can't even give this game a chance because to me, it's like my memory of it from just the too betrayed. Just, just, it's like it's like my X Men uh, experience, the LJ yes. and X Men. It's like no, don't even fight. Don't bring it up. I'll don't fucking even lose my mind. Like, we're, <laughs> we're, not even, we're not playing it. Like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not happening. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I I had those difficulties and I posted shit about it. And yeah, the Lord Disciples were up in arms about the dif- like the difficulty of this game. I like, I guess it's like a it's real, not easy, man. It's real not easy. motherfucker. And it's it's weird to hear that because, like I said, the controls feel fantastic. So I don't think it's like shitty NES video game bullshit that makes right. it hard. It's intended it's actual just, layer yeah. difficulty, you know. So. That's interesting because that kind of game, at least you get again you the 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 crime in the in in video game difficulty on an eight bit system is when it's when you can't even see the path to success. Yeah. When you can see the path and you just can't get there because it's it's hard within like a reasonable set of physics is much harder to deal with and much harder to just dismiss. You know what I mean? And it, the game looks beautiful. I and mean, look at that picture behind me. It's fucking immaculate. That sun setting on like a futuristic dystopian NYC. I wanted NYC. to like it. Yeah. I, 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 for all the above reasons, I wanted to like it. Yeah. I really yep. did. That's interesting that you have that visceral um, <laughs> problem with it. And that'll make our conversation that I think might happen later difficult, uh, more difficult. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so next we get SWAT Hot Tips. And I know you don't like to talk about Ultima J, but I love this one for Ultima 4 on SMS oh from God. Casey Stringler in Saskatchewan. And the title of this is Get Lots of Money. And the tip reads, to get lots of money, go into Lord Bridges' castle. Find the guard's room, go into the secret door, and collect the money. You may repeat this as many times as you want and collect lots of money. And if you say money one more fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like it's such a good, such perfect uh, or or emblematic child writing, I guess. Uh, I'm like, this is definitely a kid, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, really, really good. Uh. And I also like the Mega Man 2 one from Justin Crow in Gunter, Alabama. It's kind of fun. Tells us that if you hold A and B while pressing deep while pressing the D pad to select the robot you want on the stage select screen, uh, and then you hit start to select them, when it cuts to that little interstitial that you get where they do the 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 robot does their shit talking before the stage starts, the background that is normally a star field becomes those little cheap cheap birds, the little yes, the ones I've that come out of the eggs. This code before. Really? Yeah, I know. I didn't know this, this existed. A- this yeah. is a favorite code of mine because it's such a random thing and it's more yeah. like it's cosmetic and it's like, yeah. I, I think I found this. This appears later on in like a Nintendo Power magazine. Okay, I know I'm I sure. didn't get it from here, but yeah. yeah. Yep. No, yeah. It has no benefit at all. It's all yeah. just aesthetic fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so, yeah, it's, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, yeah, you, this is one of your fucking greatest games oh. ever. So I'm, I'm, that's fun for me to hear that you knew about this. Oh, yeah. Word. Uh, another fun one is the Zoom debug reveal code, which allows you to actually watch the game programming code scroll by as you play the game, like in a window to the right, you know? And yeah, as a kid, dude, I'd have been 
fascinated by this, man. I probably would have tried to hack into the fucking mainframe with this. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking, yeah, just really, really cool. Again, no benefit to you whatsoever, but to a kid into, like... I wonder like, if you could learn how to code, like, if you just, like, studied it intensely and been, like... Probably, like, yeah. Obviously, you'd, you'd have to have some kind of semblance yeah. of the tool set to use. That'd have been, yeah, that would have been a great, yeah, you, you need development and all that shit, but yeah, I mean, it's, again, just as a a way to pluck the string, the pluck the curiosity strings of a kid with an inclination towards this type of shit. It's uh, that it's just such a fun thing to exist and to bring out in the magazine here. You know, again, I would have just been I I I'm a, you know I, I would say that that is something I've talked about before, like basic programming on the Atari twenty six hundred, like that cartridge. I didn't even have the keyboard. I had the cartridge that I stole from somewhere, I think, and I wanted so badly to be able to program in basic and learn how to program a game on my Atari so badly that I stole a cartridge I couldn't use just because that's how badly I wanted to, you know, engage that type of thing, like hacking to the mainframe. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know I wanted to call. I wanted to call you that yet, but that's what I wanted to do, even at age fucking six or seven or whatever it would have been. And I would say that seeing this in the magazine and being able to see that might have been enough. It's speculation. There's no way to know, but might have been enough to get me to get that game at least rent it, at least rent it, just to check that out. Like that is cur- curious enough of a thing to make me do that. I think it was fucking really, really uh, pretty fun. Fun side tangent to this topic, Jay. I watched Running Man this week, this past week, which one of my favorites. Ar- the Arnold flick. It's one of my favorite so Arnold good. flicks. Yeah, yeah it, it 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 one of the, my favorite movies ever. Even before what I'm about to explain occurred to me watching it this week. But the it, it occurred to me while watching that I think a big part of why I loved it as a kid is how many times the nerd guy says he's got a hack into the satellite uplink. <laughs> that exact line of dialogue. Uh. And so he says that so many times. He says the words, the phrase satellite uplink so many fucking times in the first, because he dies. He's the first one that dies. Uh, you know, so probably he dies at probably the midpoint of the movie. If I, knowing how film scripts work, I'd guess he dies at the midpoint. And the, he says that so many times. But there's before he dies, he has that scene with the girl where he's trying to happen hack into the up uh, hack into the satellite uplink, and it's like the the interface that they used, like the computer interface that they show, is yeah. like this thing where these kind of things are coming out of it, and like he's reading off uh, like hexagonal code to her. And that's her whole role in the movie is that she's able to remember the code that he gives her after, Mm. after the nerd dies. So she can repeat it later when Arnold has to put the fucking code in to hack into the satellite uplink. She's the code. (laughs) Yeah. She's the code. That's her utility in the narrative. So yeah, it just, Oh God, it's just the, the interface is so great. Hack into the satellite uplink. Let's do it. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, as an adult, I also love it for all the astute RoboCop tier social satire and how gloriously 80 it is. And dude, that movie, when's the last time you watched that movie? Oh, it's been years. It's been, it's, it's, been it's on, you can watch decades. it on YouTube with ads right now. Watch it for free on, on YouTube. It's so good. Uh. But there's nothing in the history of human creation as 80s as that movie. It is Apex 80s in every possible 
way. It's so good and so 80s. It's so beautiful. It's just a beautiful piece of everything. It's so good. So, so good. All the, the effects, Arnold being Arnold with like one-liners to the max. It's this futuristic, like, you know, oh. nothing, nothing dates a movie more than a movie portraying their vision of the future. Dude. Like, not, like it's the yes. 80s version. It's the 80s version of portraying the future. It's just, it's, oh, it's, Fucking there, magnificent. There's, I, I couldn't even remember the name of the movie, but I I remember that movie years, decades later as an adult. Like, a couple years ago, I remember, like, what was it that came out? Another movie came out, and I was like, is that the movie? Is that the movie? Total Recall. About? Probably Total Recall. And I, I, was like, I was like, no, it's not Total Recall movie. is very close. I was like, like what's the other movie? Yeah. It's like, what, what is it? It's like, yeah. was it... Bl- was it was it Blade Runner? What is that movie? Like I just <laughs> it wasn't until I like really searched and I was like, that's the movie. Because it's such to your point, like it's such a vis like a visceral so reaction. Good. Like I remember that. Like it's, Total Recall is good too. The original Total Recall is also yeah. really good in the same. It's a it's that that was like nine that was early nineties. It's yeah. a little later, but still very good. Still very, very good. and also Arnold to the max for sure. <laughs> Uh, a lot of ads in here. We have Dragon Warrior 2 full pager. Uh, Got to get rolling on our next side quest, by the way. What, uh, I, th- I I just finished yesterday everything. I'm going to send out the outline. Um, probably I was working on it a little bit before you jump, before we jumped on here. So very soon I will have a plan for us. And I'll be curious to hear whether what you guys do, which is why I was asking in the group thread, whether it even comes close to what I'm outlining because I think we're in a phase of the game like I told you is like it's wild wild west what we do next I think <laughs> in my opinion yeah. uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how much how, how well those things line up the Tecmo ad that we've seen a bunch is in here with both Ninja Gaidens Bad News Baseball Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Wrestling the Koei Strategy War Sim lineup ad is in here and then one of those really dope Trapper Keeper pastel Toys R Us ads featuring Game Boy with the headline get a grip is in here and more shit we've seen for Low G Man and Dick Tracy get us to ask the pros where we see uh, little blurbs on Mega Man 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, Spellcaster, and Wonder Boy 3 on SMS are here. And they're all nothing we don't already know, or in the case of Spellcaster, care about. So pro shots is what we're talking about. And Dragon Warrior 2 is here as well. And the story they tell you is flat out fucking wrong. Did you read this? <laughs> yeah. It's wrong. It's fucking flat out (laughs) fucking wrong. (laughs) Peace and tranquility prevail throughout the kingdoms of Canuck, Maidenhall, and Moonbrook for more than 100 years. Then, one fateful day, it all came crashing to a terrible halt when the evil sorcerer Hargon called upon the dark gods and attacked the kingdom of Moonbrook. As one of the few to escape the attack, it's your responsibility to stop the sorcerer before before he casts a curtain of evil around the world. In the spirit of adventure roleplay titles, this sequel to Dragon Warrior 1 takes you on a long, complex journey throughout the lands of the Three Kingdoms. Magic armor, healing potions, etc. are all there to help you. However, it's up to you to for you to find them. Action, adventure, magic, what more could you ask? So, what they're saying there is that prologue that we so epically performed for our listeners. Go back and listen to that if you haven't found it in the Dragon Warrior 2 Episode 1 side quest episode. But, that story... Where they show you one of the guards, soldiers of Moonbrook, escaping a mm. under duress Moonbrook to go inform the King of Mindenhall that this was happening. They're saying that that's you, and that's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not you. And I don't even know how 
You know, you could watch that prologue part of the game and infer that maybe if you didn't read any of the text and that had to be what they did. That's the yeah. only way I think you can come because you didn't you're not going to get any of that information from Enix. You're not going to get that information from any of the instructors. Like none of that is going to be Nothing yeah, about like Moonbrook. I, like I didn't escape that. Like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So they had to strong. have just watched and only half-ass paid attention, and then yeah. wrote those paragraphs after the fact, and that is bad. That's bad. <laughs> These incompetent nitwits. That's really bad journalism. <laughs> that's really the only thing going on in here, though. None of the NES shit we haven't already discussed uh, in this issue is out yet. But none. Uh, but there are some interesting coming soon's in Tombs and Treasures, the Punisher, and a title Indiana Jones game. The, there's also a TurboGrafx-16, or sorry, TurboGrafx CD system uh, appearance in here where they talk about a live-action FMV Sherlock Holmes title that probably blew fucking kids' minds here, talking about actors playing the characters, you know, to to do a Sherlock Holmes game, which is not an IP. I don't really, Sherlock Holmes doesn't Still do anything for me. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it's one of the, exactly, you know what, it's like Dick Tracy. It's like, it's it's a it's a IP for my dad. I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm survived that it's survived into modern day iterations because it's a very antiquated thing in my mind. But Pro News Report comes after that, and right off the rip, they bring up something that lightweight surprised me. The NEC opening, or rather, NEC is opening physical locations called the called Turbo Zones, and they start with one in Daly City, California. They do use the term kiosk, which suggests just a little stand in the hallways, not a legit full-on store in mall terminology. If you're going to split hairs, but it's still kind of surprising to me that NEC was doing physical anything, you know? It's again, right? never saw it. <laughs> uh, and Daily City seems like a really random place, you know? But this made me think of, and I only know this because of being in Columbus. You grew up there. You probably heard this before as well. But I bet Daily City, at least at the time, was one of those cities like Columbus where corporations' focus group data suggests that it's a perfect cross-section oh, yeah. of the idyllic American consumer community, you know? Test and, market. Yeah, yeah right. Right. You know, I bet that's that's what that's what's behind that idea is that they're perfect for that sort of thing. So, Oh, man. Great. So great living in a test market. McDonald's pizza. Holla uh, if you <laughs> Yeah, you get the first, first fucking mover advantage <laughs> on everything, yeah. Szechuan sauce at McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you all yeah. know, ask somebody. Let me tell you. That's great. Ooh. We did not we did not have that stuff up in Overland. It took us a while. We we got it later. <laughs> they get into CES shit for Turbo Graphics, Genesis, and Game Boy next. And in here they mention Sword of Vermilion has a hundred and ten page hint book, Jay. And after my revelation about the game from the ad earlier, and hearing that they have a legit supporting literature, yes, maybe we have to start including this in the side quest discussion. Because those oh, are the elements required to warrant the conversation. <laughs> fair fair i mean you gotta have i mean scary like i said that's a lot of literature but also <laughs> good that you're they're, they're supporting literature right yeah. yep they give us plenty gives us plenty of time to talk about it all update on galoob versus nintendo game genie injunction case here the court is hearing an appeal from galoob they expect a decision within 60 days. So we'll go get them, Galoob. Fuck Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo is realizing a full-size exercise bike peripheral in Japan that connects to the Famicom and utilizes the modem to compare performance rates with users across the country. How crazy is that, Jay? That's like what? spin cycle class on your in your living room in, Nintendo. in 1990. That's crazy, man. And That's between forward this, thinking. 
Yes, that between this and the banking shit we've talked about in the Genesis, Japan was way more progressive than the U.S. home home gaming console users. And yes, bravo to Japan. Ahead of their they, time. That's crazy they were thinking about that stuff when we were kids. Yeah, man. I suppose the comparison part in particular, like even just the bike is wild enough. The idea of like incentivizing you to use it by comparing you to other users is really interesting and and yes forward thinking they are calling this thing 2000 bucks in US dollars at the time and jay that's 4578 4578 dollars in 2023 bucks <laughs> no no wonder it, we've never heard of it before <laughs> right yeah that's fucking crazy no chance yeah that's you buy a car like a dope car you buy a dope ass car <laughs> i remember and so in, i mean this is 1990 i remember Thinking about buying a 1976 Stingray. Do you remember on in Columbus? There's that store on the north side of town that was it was near the place where Grosenball got his alligator, the captive-born reptiles. It was called. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was on like that was on like 270 up by one of those towns on the north side of town, and not northeast maybe, whatever the case. But right across the street from that, or very close to that, was this old car store that I noticed when I was, we were there buying fucking snakes or something uh, or Grossenbaugh's alligator. And they had a, that's my, that's the car. Like my, if I were, I'm not really a car guy. So this, maybe this is a little misleading to talk about this, but if I were to buy a classic car, I want a 1976 Stingray with T-tops. So a 76 Corvette, (laughs) which is the really, really uh, curvy Corvette model, and then T-tops, not convertible T-top. So that where you take the the hard shell comes off the windows, and and that's yeah, that's 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 my dream classic car if I were to get one. And I remember them being ten grand. And I I was lucky, fortunate enough to have some life insurance money from my mom died and my dad getting in a car accident when I was a kid. So in college, I had a little bit of dough, and I had enough, not enough really to be thinking about this, particularly a second car, you moron. But it's (laughs) the it's the epitome of a twenty year old child considering financial decisions. I thought about because it was only ten grand to buy one in what would have been like two thousand two or something, right? So almost a decade later, you could get a stingray that's thirty years, almost thirty years old, in like perfect condition for ten grand. And in nineteen ninety, five grand had to have gotten you the same thing. So you know, like the idea that you could get that or an exercise bike for your Nintendo. <laughs> fucking nuts man it's crazy even even the most like like athletic minded triathlon dude like i'm thinking about somebody like my brother who who does like iron man and they're all they're in the biking and they legit spend like 10k or more on their bikes i'm like maybe somebody like that who was like but like who's very wealthy but then even if you did that to switch up your routine, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you want to be outdoors. That does not right. help you to be sitting inside connected. Like, like what's, who's the market for here? Yeah. I, I just don't, yeah, I just don't know, man. You, you get what it is. You, it, it, it's one of those things. You get clearly a luxury purchase, but you, it, it's, it's the kind of person it's like me with VR. It's like, I'll try anything. Cause it's, it's so like just the, <laughs> the, the technology is so fascinating to me that like, I want to try the things that even, Maybe no one else wants to try. You're like, what's just, the purpose I, of this? Like, this right. is cool, but like, why? right, right, exactly. Can't and that's that's exactly what I think the the target demo for that is. Just someone who's just fascinated by these video game things that are coming out. You know. 
So we have another wild one. Uh, the NES Color Handheld from BDL Enterprises is mentioned here. And this is funny to me to see it right now because the gaming historian just, dude, and by just I mean like maybe a week ago, just released now. a short doc about this that I posted on our socials. And if you don't know the gaming historian, he's like a huge oh, YouTube. Yeah. yeah, huge YouTube guy that does really, really smart, in-depth gaming console research documentaries. And so this thing was a four-inch, had a four-inch color screen, and you can uh, put actual NES carts in it. So it's a handheld, but it actually uses real NES cartridges. So needless to say, yeah, it's large (laughs) by handheld standards, but it's basically the size of a cartridge. They did an amazing job of making it as compact as you possibly could and still be able to put an NES cartridge in. So that was smart engineering, I think. And this runs on 4C batteries. So that's heavy as fuck. <laughs> it might, I think, yeah. You're just like be, propping it up on the table. Yeah, it'd be so heavy to hold in your hand for a long period of time. Link is in the show notes to the doc. But it was interesting because the reason it never came to be, the guy, I forget what he did. He w- He had some sort of connection, some sort of thing that he did that had him close enough to Nintendo to be able to pitch it to them as a thing. And the NES or Nintendo shot it down because probably because they just didn't want to. They you know they, they had the Game Boy. They didn't want to compete with the Game Boy, which is what this would have done, I think. Um, but the reason they cited to him, which it's mentioned in here, the exact verbiage, which is probably where the game historian got this, was this exact fucking piece of copy working out here in the Mac. But the they cited that it was uh, it, it conflicted with their marketing plan you know which again that that plays right into we'll sell less game boys cannibalize sales you know so we don't we don't we don't even though it's a great idea good job (laughs) you know uh we don't want to do it so bummer because this would have been you know can you imagine like taking your actual nes games on the go fucking dope fucking dope a couple pages later we get that proto gamefly company the game service they're still rocking and rolling with a full page ad now they're not they're not just doing little little sections of a page so they must be flourishing you know and i don't ever recall them offering genesis or turbografx 16 titles previously so again i think they're growing and it's 10 more bucks tacked onto the $100 annual fee for the nes to do genesis or turbografx 16 but i think that's probably fair for an eight uh, another 8 bits in my opinion and yeah i can't believe this has lasted that long man like and that it's if so if it's lasted this long, enough people must have used it and gotten pieces of fucking shit in the mail that would have been still lying around and people posting. The idea that I can find nothing about it on the interwebs is shocking to me, man. It's really shocking to me. And I don't know, good for them. I mean, it is a brilliant idea. We've talked about how smart of a business decision it was at the time. Nothing even vaguely kind of competing with it. And yeah. and it's also revealed in this copy. I noticed that. They also they say we also sell video games, but we do this too. And that has a feeling to me that what they were prior to coming up with this brilliant idea was just a mom and pop game rental shop and, or, or, or game resale shop, I should say. Maybe rental too. But either way, like this, it, it's so smart to just – because they don't even say in here – they don't tell you what game you're getting. You don't get to choose. They just send you one. So this, this resale shop, it just has piles of games sitting around and they can't move. They're just like grabbing a game and like, stuffing what do it. In we a, do great yeah. idea. Let's yeah, just they're them. just yeah. stuffing the random things in their fucking back room into an envelope and mailing it to you, and you have no agency over over what that might be showing up. Like that is just 
Brilliant, but you have no competitor, so you don't have to improve the quality of your game selection yeah. choices. You know, you can you're the only one offering this. So it's yeah, it's just I would I I, I that's dude that that is a that is a documentary that I need to have. Like talking to these guys, finding out who came up with this company and talking to them about the inciting. That's a a fantastic business insider mini thing, you know, just how they cooked up this uh little bootstrap startup and and, right. and 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 how it went for the first six months or whatever is probably a really fascinating business story you know uh, as far as those go not quite thanks bro or anything but smart <laughs> <laughs> I mean nothing's thanks bro. <laughs> right nothing's thanks bro my unscalable business idea. A, <laughs> a solid clax for Genesis back cover ad wraps it up. And GamePro 15 is in the ISOH books. One theme from Street Fighter 2010, the final fight on the NES, bringing us, of course, to the nomination section. Josh, I believe you were first this time, as I went first the last time. But I think you're, I think you're correct. Yes. Very okay. Uh, I have five this time because whoa, I'm right. boss. I'm, I'm I'm the boss of me. No one can. No one's the boss of me but me. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Let's get crazy. The, yeah, so I have Shadow of the Ninja as very little suspense in that choice. Yeah. Castlevania Three also very little suspense probably. Maniac Mansion. Interesting. Is, uh, yeah, we we we, you know, again, I'm, I, it's so fringe to me whether it's right for. <laughs> it's like I was I was, I don't know what I posted about it, but the, I was bullshitting with one of the disciples on the Facebook page about Rygar. Oh, it's when I posted the list about things that should be on our side quest oh, yeah, list yeah, yeah. and uh, kind of fielded anything that I might have missed, you know. And one of the suggestions was, Mettler, I think, was um, listed off a whole bunch of things. And one of them was Rygar. And I was like, you know what? Like that, yes. Like I really appreciate Rygar's place in the timeline, which is very early. It's a very, very early NES game. And there's like, it's... I think it's too complex for a game episode, which is why we probably didn't get far on on game epi- in any of the potential times it's been brought up. I don't even know if that's the case. We're quite a few episodes in now, <laughs> but the uh, it's also not quite enough for a side quest. And like I, the Maniac Mansion is kind of right there for me too. It's like I don't know. One, it'll be it, you know. The whole game is founded on the idea of how many paths you can take. So, like, there's just no way we're going to talk about every... The way we kind of canvas every corner of a game yeah. in our game apps, we can't do that for that. So that's not possible. But, you know, fuck it. Like, who cares? That doesn't matter. I said before, the idea of trying to limit what games we do because we don't have a format that has done that, that yet. Is, yeah, yeah that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stupid reason not to talk about a game. But the... So we're just going to be talking about our own plays, which is there's, there'll be plenty to talk about, you know. But it, it it will just be interesting how we do it, and and I just especially because you haven't never played it, I would just love to see, hear about your frustrations, 
in that kind of game, I think would okay. make for really good, make for really good podcasting because it is a whole lot of just fence testing and like trying to jam two items together in your inventory, <laughs> hoping they turn into something. Like there's a lot of that shit in there, but it's so fun and cool. It's like it's the same idea as caveman games, only there is a good game underneath. Uh, that like the wrapper that it's in is just fucking amazingly fun and creative. So it will be a blast, I think, to talk about. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's in this limbo that I'm not sure. So uh, there's that. And then I also got a weird hair at my ass, Jay, when I saw it. But Wall Street Kid on NES. And hear me out. Hear me out, bro. Hear me out. It would be an experiment unlike any previous game app. And with our finance degree bullshit, Jay, (laughs) I bet we could have an absolute fucking blast with this material. (laughs) I know it's a terrible game. Like we're not, I know we're not gonna have fun <laughs> playing the game, but I think we could have a lot of fun in talking about it. You know what I mean? That like, I and I and I think, yeah, it's important to stress that, that in, this pro- in this proposal. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the game sucks totally, but I think we could really have some fun with all the bullshit in it, and and that is an interesting and appealing idea. Um, yeah. And then the last one, Super Mario Bros. 3. It briefly appeared in the Ask the Pros, and we haven't done it yet, and it's Super Mario Bros. 3. So, eventually we have to. <laughs> right. So, those are my five. Gosh. What do you What do you got for us, Jay? <clears throat> That's a spicy five. Very interesting five, I'll say. So, there will be some overlap. Um, my list, there are a lot of things I considered, you know, with... A lot of repeats, I considered using this as like an entirely repeat list, but there are a couple notable new ones, I guess. So, first and foremost, Shadow of the Ninja. You know, ninja options, give them to me. Um, Second was Puss in Boots. (laughs) As a all the shit shit in this issue, how the fuck did that make me list? Like I said, like I said, as a possibility. And so there were four. I had two. I had two more that I was like, all right, maybe um, Super Mario Brothers three, because I was like, it's it's always, it's Mario three. Like I'll I pick it up and play it all the time. Like I, I don't know, put it in that. And then more seriously, Conquest of the Crystal Palace. Okay. I can hear Conquest of the Crystal Palace for sure. I didn't I didn't list it, but I can hear it. Um. Okay. Definitely so, yes. ninja options, clearly. So, yeah. Yeah, so ninja <laughs> options is no question. Some overlaps. Mario Bros. 3 is some overlap. I always want to, like, I feel like... Hmm. I almost feel like Super Mario, like Super Mario Bros. 3 should happen outside our timeline. I feel like we should do... I don't want to call it a side quest. But we clearly got to use the Super Mario Bros. 3 strategy guide in our game app. Even though... That's not how we do. Like it's like I guess what I'm saying here is, is we're if we do it as a normal game app, it's not it's not supposed to have this like hardcore company mag that we're talking about constantly while we do it. But I feel like Super Mario Brothers three warrants that level of attention, and that that strategy guide warrants that level of attention. So I almost feel like we should do Super Mario Brothers three in the same way we do random rags episodes, where it's not even it doesn't have anything to do with our timeline. We don't have to worry about it's it. This is a random side episode. Yeah, yeah, and I almost feel like we should do that and not and and take these opportunities to do these games like Shadow of the Ninja that I don't expect to pop up nearly as as frequently. You know, so I almost want to say Super Mario Brothers three and we've never posed that specifically in that way but we should maybe just put that on our kind of semi immediate to do 
Because I've been trying to think. Of, yeah. yeah, I've been trying to think of a random rags episode recently. Anyways, I I almost saw when I saw the the gaming foundation thing. They what drew me to that was a tweet about an issue that someone got from that. And I, it was a magazine I'd never seen before hmm. that was from like 1989 or 1990 or something that they sent out to them. It was the, the first episode or first issue of that magazine. So I need to actually write that down on my list too. <laughs> See, I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing. Like, this is something I never seriously proposed Mario three to your point. Cause it's like, I, I like I've played it. I've beat it many times. I've beat it recently. Like it's, but it's that good of a game. Same thing with Super Mario World. Like I could, I could play them happily. Devote a whole episode. We could talk about. We gotta talk about the wizard. We gotta talk about everything else going on at the yep. time. All that kind of stuff. You know. Yep. We could call it. Uh, we could drop that into the kill quest bucket because it's what, what I think of with those. Mm. Like I did that with Metroid. I did it with Guardian Legend. And you never so, beat it yet, right? Super Mario Three. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's right. yeah. We so, got yeah, like. So, so that's, I forgot all about that. That just gets me. You're, I'm gonna step on the soapbox right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but we can drop it into that bucket because the idea with Kill Quest and that name for that those types of games are are games that I don't I just don't think again they kind of happen in this limbo like maybe Maniac Mansion fits into this too but uh, those are more about and I didn't do episodes on those I just fucking you know those are just things I streamed and I just wanted to check off my list you know which kind of would be doing that because we never read it or I never beat Mar- Mario three but yeah the idea there is that just these games that need to yes be checked off the list. But I don't know if it'll ever happen in our timeline, and that you know that yeah. it kind of fits into that bucket very, very neatly. So yeah, maybe we'll we'll figure out a way to do that recently or in the near future too. Uh, perhaps pains post. my retro heart that you have not beaten that game. It yeah. just hurt like ah. Oh. It's hard, man. The fucking eighth level sucks, dude. I've, I've tried many times. I've tried. It's it's not from a lack of effort, Jay. I assure you. <laughs> the level, the eighth level. Let, let me take you under my up. wing. Let me take you under my wing. Let me. Uh, let me. <laughs> I may. You, I may have to jump on a boss battle stream and have you fucking coach me through it, man. You, I'll get you and Alan. Uh, oh. Probably both. You and Al will have to jump on and give me tips because I fucking I have tried many a times and I could not get through it. Even with and I'll load up. I mean I've never game genie or cheated or anything uh, with yeah. it, but I I have certainly like just loaded up on power ups and then warp whistled my ass there. I fucking never I can't get through oh. it. Can't get through it. Uh, All right. I got you. Uh, <laughs> my word. Okay, so let's cross that off the list then, and then we're just talking about what then? Shadow of the Ninja. Castlevania three here is also still here. The Wall Street Kid, crazy ass idea. You didn't, you didn't sound terribly supportive of that, but <laughs> it could be fun. Yeah, it could be fun. It could be fun. Uh, yeah, but so the obvious one is Shadow of the Ninja for obvious reasons overlap and like ninja options and all the shit. And it looked fucking absolutely incredible, and the response to it seemed incredible. So I just think we'd have a blast with that. There'd be no downside to it. But that's not always the reason to do a video or do a game. And it's so good that maybe we will see it again. So maybe we don't need to have the fear of it not reappearing um it just dropped so it'll have to appear at least one other time it's two player right is it two players oh yeah because the two yeah yeah yeah. because you yeah yeah yes yes fuck it's not simultaneous is it i don't know i didn't i i did Uh, not investigate that but if it is yes play the elevator music obviously if it's two player we gotta do it just it's 100 yeah yeah. Uh, it goes without saying there's couch co-op options they're, they're like ninja options. Count yeah, 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 you can't, can't pass them up if they're there. There are two ninjas. They're running, they're running and they're fighting side by side. 
simultaneously on screen there is on there is a life bar at the top there's a life bar at the bottom they are color coded by ninja one purple one okay. peach salmon well perhaps. i think i think that might settle mm. it then i yeah i think i think we might have to do that just to couch co-op it co-op ninjas options let's go okay 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 couch, couch co-op ninjas shadow the ninja on the nes will be our next <laughs> game episode that will be a blast so after we do that we will then flip back to nintendo mag up action with nintendo power issue 18 you can subscribe to the pod on the platform provided whatever dumbest company that shows up your pottery please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on whatever platform you listen to if you enjoy our nonsense the website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash isoh pod you can email us directly at isoh podcast at gmail.com to tell us we're doing this all wrong follow the pod and match with us on the facebook page the instagram jab's got an instagram now even though he's not actually physically physically behind it but i'll get him there i'll get in there i mean, my, my crit that i don't think there's anything i'm more creative i'm more proud of in my creative backlog than coming up with his bio of peanut butter captain crunch is better than uh <laughs> than, than crunch berry captain crunch there, there's that and i guess it's hard to appreciate that not knowing jab personally for an entire lifetime but that is an integral part to the fiber of jab's being <laughs> It is the perfect bio for him, uh, even though he wouldn't have known it or probably ever that's thought of it himself. Great. <laughs> that's great. So we're working on getting him onto the internet, so that's there now. You can follow him, and I'll basically just be posting whenever he drops shit into the chat that I deem worthy. I'm just going to amalgamate that into a, not amalgamate it. I'm going to directly post it, even syntax everything. Like if he doesn't use punctuation, I'm not correcting it. It's just going to be flow of con- uh, stream of conscious, yeah, stream yeah. of consciousness jab shit is going to go into that Instagram feed, and that's just so amazing that that's happening in like this detached. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's something about that that's a beautiful thing. This person that doesn't want to be on the internet, but their shit's getting to the internet anyways, exactly. <laughs> As it's coming out of his head, it's just an incredible thing to me, especially because it's Jab. <laughs> so that's happening. A little, a little pet so, uh, social a social project that I'm doing, a social experiment that I'm doing. And the subreddit's out there as well, occasionally posting that uh, these days. And our gameplay videos are on the YouTube. The links to all that is in the show notes. I got to change the show notes to include his, include his Instagram now, too. I got to update that. Oh. <laughs> Another thing for my list. My list is so long. Look how long my list is. <laughs> For this episode, how do, I, how do I get that to appear on the screen there? Yeah, there there you go. <laughs> All my to-dos. We don't have a Patreon, but if you like giving the money things podcasters tell you to, and we like to do so in our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities, and that is cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them. T-shirts on the website. They're dope, and proceeds on those after pot expenses go to Able Gamers. I'm rocking one right now. And Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB without the second E is where you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, it's my gamer tag. So reach out. Let me know you're an actual person, not not a bot. And let's game. Word. I am on Instagram and my shift key is broke. I'm on Twitter at Josh Follen. My Oculus game tag is my shift key is broke as well. And you can kind of find me right now on Xbox at Two Minute Todd. Because I'm, I'm, I'm playing all the Divinity Sin. There you um, go. Which I saw you jump on last night while we were playing, actually. See? Gen- Gentleman JV is online. That's going well. Hey, I didn't mention that in my now playing. That's it's that's still going really well. The Nice. Uh, Questing our asses off. We're all, I think we're almost back to where we got stuck or fell off last time. So pretty soon I think I'm going to be playing a new game there. And that's pretty exciting. Nice. And fun. So that's that. Okay, bye. <laughs>